Hey, strangers. Welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. As always, I'm Krista. With me is Kurt, and it is dark. It is dark. (laughs) (laughs) I hated driving, and it was raining, so I hated driving down here. I'm glad I'm going to be home today before, like, the... There's, like, major wind alerts. Oh, great. And my car is a box, so... Yeah. (laughs) It's not really good to be driving my car on a wet highway in 80-mile-an-hour winds. Getting tossed But it sounds like like most of the bad wind stuff is going to be well after I'm home. Mm, That's good. Yep. We're heading up north today, but Ooh, um, good luck. Fine. <laughs> oh goodness. How how was your Halloween? It was okay. I'm just eh, about Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I just am. Like Halloween's not like I love Thanksgiving. Mm. Halloween, I'm like, eh. If there were turkey on Halloween, would you be about <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I did my typical um get home from work, close all the curtains and shut the outside light off because I don't want trick-or-treaters. Yeah. Because you know me, I'm a hermit. Yep. I carved one pumpkin while I watched It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and then I ate toasted pumpkin seeds while I watched the original Halloween. Nice. This is what I do every Halloween. And I recently discovered um, on YouTube... Garfield's Halloween Adventure. Yes. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, I saw it when it first came out because I was a huge Garfield fan back yes. in the day. We watched that when we were kids. Yep. And I found it on YouTube and watched it on Sunday and that brought back some serious nostalgia yeah. for me. It was awesome. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, I was a hardcore Garfield fan when I was a youngster. Me too. They don't, um, they don't make them like that anymore. I was trying to think. There was another one that I thought of a Halloween one or maybe it was a Christmas one. I ran There's across the Berenstein Bears one too and I was like, I'm not going to watch it. No, that's Mandela effect stuff. Totally, I'm not going down that road. (laughs) Have I seen this? I don't know. I'm fascinated by how many strangers are having synchronicities Mm. go on, and I'm not, and I'm kind of salty about that, Mm. because I had them like so long and all the time, and now there's nothing. My smiley rock thing was cool that I found Yeah, that was really cool. You know, when I asked the universe to to guide me to a, a new rock, and it brought me to that smiley one. That was pretty cool. But yeah, I'm just, synchronicities are just, uh, not happening for me. For me, it's all the 1111s I've been Which is weird, so maybe I passed it on to you. Maybe you did. It's very possible. Um, I want to give shout-outs to our newest listeners. Those are Mitchell Wagner, Linda Haas, who teaches with me. Mm -hmm. She is one of my best friends at school. Her and her daughter listen, so thank you so much for joining the Strangers. James Stubbs Jr., Amy Goodavish, who is my old landlord's wife. And I miss them. They moved away and they were like the best landlords. Nice. Uh, yeah, that was, he was the one I talked about where when I first moved in there, I could hear him snoring underneath <laughs> me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to get used to this. And then after a couple of weeks, like when he wasn't down there at night snoring, I would have a hard time sleeping because oh, I was really so used funny. to it. And they moved away, which sucks because they're awesome. So Amy, thank you so much for joining. Miss you guys. And I want to give shout outs to my students, Emily Hayes, who listens, and she is just amazing. So thank you so much, Emily. And of course, Nora and Paige, who badly wanted me to mention them again on the podcast. <laughs> but I think I think they listened to the first 20 minutes. I oh, think, so they didn't even I, listen to the I think topic. Nora said she did maybe to one of them and it gave her nightmares so she didn't anymore but Nora and Paige love you guys thank you so much for listening speaking of the first 20 minutes if you don't want to listen to that part and skip to the topic pause check the show notes Kurt has put the timestamp of the actual topic start in the notes yes yep Uh, I have a couple things for housekeeping just thank you for the like the feedback we got for the book club podcast mm, yeah because yeah. that was great like people seem to really love the book club podcast we had 30 downloads 
well, that's, that's <laughs> it's a start. It's a start. <laughs> that's more than but we, we had knew when we it started was only going to be. We knew it was going to be a small percentage of the strangers yeah. that would want that. I luckily got it up on iTunes, and yep. that's where most of the listeners. But came I'm, from. I like it because it's making me read stuff. Yeah, you know, well, I've that, always been. I'm always reading, but yeah, I'm not. It's, not, it's fun not to have fiction, a purpose. Not fiction, but. I love that now I have to read it. So, and I mm-hmm. love that I, I started Joyland again last night. That's our next book. And I forgot how much I love that book. Some of the stuff in there makes me cringe a little bit because it's, you know, but we'll get to no that. No longer appropriate for it the kind of no longer appropriate current climate. Yeah, that kind gotcha. of stuff. But it makes me cringe a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, some of it's a little distasteful, but I love the book. Mm-hmm. I do. I'll there be we starting go. it this weekend because I'm just finishing Fairy Tale, and that's the, I think that's the one we're going to try doing Skype over Skype. Yeah, Joyland being in person. Yep. Yeah. And I want to say the end of the season is coming up oh, rapidly, crazy. approaching. Um, there's going to be this episode, and then the next episode is like an end of a season mop up where I have a couple things that I didn't get to in those episodes that we talked about this season. So we're going to do that, uh, and then I think the season finale, Corey's going to come on. Sweet. And I, I think we're going to look back at all of our episodes and talk about them. That's a lot of episodes. Not even a year in review. It's going to be like it's going to be like the show in review, discography. In It'll review. be like yeah, like yeah. The, yep. So that's going to be interesting. And we might try to eat all the remaining taste tests. When Corey's <laughs> when Corey's here, we're going to try to finish everything. <laughs> that's quite a task. I'm yeah. not sure we're going to do that. And then we'll talk about a potential Christmas episode. I don't. I don't know. I'm busy. I'm just not feeling it. I got this stuff year. lined up. Chris and I have. I got a thing. Chris and I have conventions they want us at. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know Joe Rogan. We're in wants, high Joe demand. Joe Rogan wants me to co-host in um, in December. So Joe I'm, yeah, again, I know. So we'll see. We'll see if we can fit Tell that him in. To step off. And we just wanted to thank everybody for their listener stories yeah. because I got a lot of good feedback from people on the listener stories. Always one of our favorite episodes of the yeah. season. Same. But there are a couple people. We forgot. per usual we forgot. So we're gonna get better at that because we're gonna set up a special email. Yes. for listener stories. Yes, we are. But right now, I just we're gonna do one this episode, oh, one wait, next. Wait, 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 wait! Can I do my coffee ho- housekeeping? Yes. Before you read yep. this, okay. So I just wanted to mention that I noticed on our coffee website that you can set up a shop to sell merchandise. So I'm going to be doing that, and that will be for anybody. You don't have to be a subscriber or a supporter. You'll be able to go to our coffee website and order a mug or a T-shirt um, that we still have, and I think it'll just be an easier process than you trying to. Send me a private message on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a more organized way to do it. And you can pay through PayPal instead of like, I don't know. It's just going to be a lot easier and more organized. And I want to work on adding more merch to that as well. Maybe like keychains, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, something cool like that. I would love baseball hats. I think that would baseball be... Baseball hats would be awesome. Yeah, I would wear that. Yeah, so. So would I, I'm not a hat guy, but I, I maybe wear one once in a while. Oh, my God. So stay <laughs> tuned. I'm, I'm going to try to get that up and running over our winter break. Cool. Okay. Move forward. Moving forward. Oh, I'd like to give a shout out to Barry too, who texted me the other oh, day. Hi, and Barry, Barry. Barry, we love we you and miss we miss you. you. She is she's on the bucket list for getting her on the podcast. Yes, that would be amazing. Because she is so amazingly brilliant and yes, well spoken really and is. perfect in every way. And we'll get her here someday. Oh, if we could work in some kind of investigation. Maybe while Coleman she's can here. pick her up. Coleman and Barry can He lives in the opposite direction. Oh, okay. Maybe not then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if we could work in some kind of haunted outing while she's here that would be i thought you're gonna for some reason amazing. i thought you were going to haunted outhouse and I'm like, uh, i don't know if i want to <laughs> investigate a haunted outhouse no there's gonna be weird smells especially if it's cold out <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna read this story we're gonna do one this episode one next episode for the ones we forgot this is from listener emily emily said 
I will start by saying that I come from a family where people consider themselves to be sensitive to things that are not of this world. Both my mother and my grandmother on my father's side are mediums. My grandmother used to have seances at her home, and my mother has had many supernatural encounters with ghosts and possibly even one with Bigfoot. Wow. So there you go, Krista. Dang. Yep, your mic is on. Thanks. <laughs> she also used to teach people how to hone their psychic powers using remote viewing and other tools. And see, I'm I'm interested in like honing my powers, but I also am not. Mm-hmm. So I'm weird that way. Needless to say, I grew up in a home where the things of that nature were not an abnormality. I never considered myself to be sensitive or anything like that and was often skeptical of my own experiences. If anything like what my mom had experienced in her life ever happened to me, I wanted to make sure it was real, not just something that could be coincidence. I was taught from a young age not to ever touch a Ouija board. Smart? Yeah. (laughs) If I ever did have an experience naturally, I was to make sure not to allow it into my body and not to attempt communication if it seemed dark. I had a couple of things happen to me as a child that could possibly be considered paranormal, but could too easily be explained by other things. There's only one experience I consider to be legitimate when it comes to ghosts and or spirits. The grandmother that I mentioned previously passed away when I was 14 years old. She was my favorite person in the world, and it was the first major death in my life that I was old enough to understand the gravity of. I didn't deal with her passing well. I had dealt with severe depression before this event, and it sent me into an even greater spiral. A few months later, we were learning about the Day of the Dead at school. My teacher told us we could get extra credit if we built an altar at home for a loved one and brought in a photo. Being the overachiever that I was, I jumped right on it. Next to my bed, I built an altar for my grandmother with photos, some of her belongings, and some food she used to love. I put a great deal of love and effort into it for her because I wanted her to know how much I still cared. The night before bed, I felt a presence. I had never felt anything this strong, and I just knew it had to be her. I was excited. I wanted to talk to her so badly. I tried to communicate verbally with no response. Frustrated, the only other thing I could think of was pen and paper. I told the spirit it could use my hand, and only my hand, to communicate with me through writing. Krista is shaking her head right now. I just know it. Couldn't do it. (laughs) To my amazement, it worked. I would ask questions verbally, and my hand would write down the answer. And I know people that do that, and it creeps me out. Mm-hmm. I just could not. I mean, it's like automatic writing, yeah, right? Yeah, that is automatic writing. Mm-hmm. As someone who is still skeptical, I will say it is very possible that I just wrote down things subconsciously. The only reason I doubt that was the case is that often it would write an answer that wasn't what I was thinking or what I would say. I can't remember anymore what the questions were. Mostly, I believe they were just to verify that who I was speaking to was my grandmother. Once I felt content with our conversation, I closed the journal we had been writing in and went to sleep. In the middle of the night, I woke up out of a dead sleep to what felt like someone strangling me. (laughs) Yikes. It felt like a large man's hand was gripped tight around my throat and I couldn't breathe. I knew it wasn't a dream because after my eyes had opened, it didn't stop. For what was probably only 10 seconds but felt like a lifetime, I laid in bed clawing at my bare throat trying to pull off hands that were not there. I couldn't see anyone or anything in the room with me either. The grip eventually released, and I ran screaming out of the room to tell my mom. I slept with her the rest of the night, and in the morning, we tore down the altar. I couldn't sleep there for weeks. Thankfully, there was no recurrence of this incident. I know that, whatever it was, it definitely was not my grandmother, proving that what they say about evil masquerading as loved ones or children to be unfortunately true. My mom, despite being a medium, believes that reincarnation is a large possibility because of me. She used to tell me when I was a kid that she thought I was Japanese in a past life. 
This came from the fact that when I was a baby learning to speak, despite being taught to call him dad, I always called him Ging Ging. Uh. My mom had a friend who spoke Japanese and told her it sounded like I was saying Chi Chi, which is father in Japanese. Hmm. I always thought it was strange, but didn't really base any of my beliefs on it growing up. When I was a teenager, I became much more interested in reincarnation after learning more about it in school and found out there was a past life regression therapist that lived in my town. After I saved up some money, I contacted her and set up an appointment. This wasn't like one of those crystal ball ladies you go to one afternoon. There was, it was, there was more involved in it than I had expected. We talked on the phone about what I was hoping to get out of it. She explained the process and made sure it was something I really wanted to go through with. She told me that sometimes people don't get much, if anything, out of it and wanted to make sure I knew that it was a possibility before starting. I should clarify when I say I had to save up. That's because I was a teen. It wasn't super expensive. It was like 60 bucks, which is pretty average for a regular therapy out of pocket. At the appointment, we talked some more about what I hoped to see from past lives. I told her I didn't have any expectations because I hadn't had any experiences that I felt were from another life. This, se- Ooh, this is a nope. This session used hypnotherapy to guide you back to your past lives. Basically what happens is you lie down, close your eyes, and calm yourself as if you are going into meditation. She then guides you with her voice backwards through your life, past your birth, and through a portal to the last life. She doesn't explain any of the circumstances or what's happening. You just take note of everything in your head that happens to explain back to her later so she can't influence your mind in any way. Everything was in first-person view as it is in real life, which I thought was odd because in meditation normally and in dreams, I always see myself in third person. What I saw was a dark jungle. Everything was almost sepia-colored. I could tell by my hands and body that I was a man and a soldier with a World War II-era uniform. There were many other men around me dead on the ground. I could hear artillery, gunshots, and screaming in the distance. When she asked me if I could see how my life continued, I told her that it was difficult. I felt like most of my life had been spent in that jungle. I can't remember it all now, but there was an incredible amount of detail in this session. So much so that the therapist said it was one of the most intense recalling she ever had. A few days after that, I couldn't stop thinking about that feeling of being stuck in the jungle. I googled soldiers who had never surrendered after World War II and found a few that were from Japan. I stopped dead after looking through them. One face looked so familiar to me it kind of freaked me out. After reading more about him, I found that he had hid in the jungle for nearly three decades after the war had ended. The part that makes me think there may be some credibility to what I saw is that he died within a week and a half of my birth. That's so Mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. Weirdly, I'm still on the fence about reincarnation, but this experience continues to make me question what happens after death. If I find out reincarnation isn't real, I am definitely going to want an explanation for all these coincidences then. And she has one more, and then we'll save that for the next episode, too. So we'll have two stories next episode. So I need to know where she went to school, that they're learning about the Day of the Dead and, like, reincarnation. I don't know. I I did not learn about those things in school. No. No, I feel like where I go to school, like, telling the students to build an altar or something like that would get You'd get a strongly worded letter from a parent. A very strongly worded letter. (laughs) That's really cool, actually. It is. Yeah, I went to a Catholic school when I was young. again, like... When you ask something to come mm-hmm. through, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily going to be who you think it's right. going to be that you Whoever want coming maybe through. Just happens to hear you at yeah, the time, which I totally get. And the mm-hmm. reincarnation stuff is interesting. Uh, gonna dip a little bit into that in the next episode, actually. Okay. But I don't know. I it's it's stories like that where this guy that she felt like she knew died like within a week and a half of when she was born. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. That's a lot of coincidence. So thank you, Emily. We'll get to your last story next time. Sweet. Because we got to jump into our taste test this cool. time. 
So Krista can pop this open. And then we got a um, we so got a package. This, this is from Coleman or Stephanie? This is from Coleman, I believe. Okay. So we got a package in the mail this week, but we're going to open that in the next episode. So we have something to open next episode because we've been telling people not to send stuff. So we might not get anything before the next episode. That's okay because we have a bag full of stuff yet. From... Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. Who is that from? I think Stephanie. Is that still yeah, Stephanie? Yeah, we still have good Stephanie's Lord. stuff. We have two gifts we're going to get from Stephanie today, too. Okay. So crack this open. Okay. This should be good because I think you're going to like this. I like the, oh, yeah, ginger candy. Oh, yep. I sounded so Wisconsin. You totally sounded yeah. Wisconsin. Okay, let me take a photograph. Wow. Every time I say, wow, the lighting is so bad down here. Because it is. Okay, picture taken. So I, this must be like hard candy. Let's see. The bag is really pretty. It comes in. Oh, <laughs> there are these here. I'm going to throw you one. You ready? Ready. Ooh. Yes. Oh, I dropped it. <laughs> well, the initial catch was good. Okay. Huh. About as good as the Green Bay Packers over here. <laughs> but um, bump. Uh, Green Bay Packers. Oh, that was weird. The, be- the little container I don't know if I think that like smells popped. gingery. To me, that smells like our Mexican candy. Whoa. I wasn't expecting it to look like that. No, I wasn't either. I thought it was going to be hard candy. Okay. Interesting. It's going to be chewy. Let me take a picture of that. I don't smell ginger. Let me take a whiff. Oh, very, very, very subtly. Light. Okay, ready? Ready. Mm. Mm. Oh, I taste the ginger mm-hmm. for sure. Mm. Wow. That's delicious. I really like that. It's a gem gem ginger candy. Mm. Bonbons, something, something. <laughs> Wow, that's delicious. I'm gonna. It's a little spicy. Oh, now it's starting mm. to burn my. It's starting to burn the back of that's my throat delicious. a little bit. Huh. Interesting. I wonder if you could melt. Put this in like a cup of tea, and it would melt. Mm. 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 I'm gonna give that a nine. Mm-hmm. Mm. That is delicious. I'm loving that. Mm. Yeah, I'm giving that a nine. Is there honey in here? Do you think it tastes? I can taste like mm-hmm. honey, honey or something. I could put my glasses on as I sit here and. <laughs> Try to read it without glasses. Mm. That is good. Yeah, it's a little spicy. Yeah, now it's starting to burn pretty good. I don't see honey. Do I? I Not taste that I honey. can even read these ingredients. This is really small. Holy buckets. That is starting to burn in the back of my throat. Mm. Mm. That's yummy. I quite literally can't read the ingredients. Ugh. I don't see honey. Okay. Mm. That's delicious. Or I feel like I almost taste lavender. I taste some floral note. Hmm. Oh, now it's just burning. I would say the honey would have that if there were honey in it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm giving good. that a nine. Yeah, me too. I'm giving it a and nine. And these are two miscellaneous gifts from Stephanie's package. First one for our hutch. You ready to catch? Oh, God. It's metal. Okay. Ooh, I Bigfoot bandages. Oh, are these like little band-aids? Bigfoot band-aids. Oh, I love it. Oh, they're <laughs> so awesome. cute. They're really cute. Okay, I'm going to take a picture of that. That's almost Somehow. something that I would bring to school to give to the kids. It's very reflective. Like Nora would like that. Super cute. Yeah, that's going in our Bigfoot hutch. Well, I should say our cryptid hutch. And this is awesome. Ready? Okay. Little... Chili Peppers memo pads. Oh my gosh, like little so sticky cute. notes. Little Chili Pepper sticky notes. Like the Red Hots? Yep. Oh, these are adorable. 
And we still have more stuff in our in our box from These Stephanie. Are definitely going up on our Stephanie. We board. love you. Thank you so much. Yes. Oh, these are so cute. Oh. This I, guy probably heard one of our listener stories. Yeah, probably. <laughs> He's making he a scared. scared face. Ooh, when's this throat burning going to stop? Mm, I love it. All right. Now time are we looking at? 28. Oh, our titillating 20 is almost the thunderous, had, thundering 30. We had six minutes of banter True. before, though, so when you edit True that. that out. I feel like our episodes are getting longer and longer, and by next time, they'll be like three, three hours, hours long. <laughs> I, I almost have next season completely planned out. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, the first episode is going to be, of course, they vote what they want for the episode, the, the oh, yeah. season premiere to be. Okay. We're going to do that. Sweet. But with us, oh, I'm going to get into that actually right now, kind of. So today's topic is haunted places around Wisconsin, yes. because we already did kind of cryptids of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and I feel like I was very didn't spread out too much for this one a lot oh. of these are in the immediate area okay and i think but i looked up like haunted places around wisconsin and a lot of the ones that popped up were kind of around here i dressed the part so, by the way you did she's Not got her wisconsin. a haunted place she's got her wisconsin shirt <laughs> she's got her wisconsin shirt sweatshirt it's also on. very fuzzy and warm it looks like a warm sweatshirt it's super warm so what i'm gonna apologize this is oh. kurt's apology okay. this is this is one of our recurring segments kurt's apology <laughs> so I had two really good segments in here, two really good places mm-hmm. that two days ago I pulled out because next season we're going to be doing, for mini mysteries, we're going to be doing mm-hmm. haunted areas, haunted places. Yep. And I decided I wanted to do them instead, that there was enough there. I know what, I bet I know one of them. One of them, I d- didn't even start researching because one of them is going to be the first one that I think I'm going to talk about. It starts with a J. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Obviously. So, yeah. so that's going to be, but I didn't even do that's that a one. Whole, that's like a whole episode. Well, yeah, because itself. I researched yeah. for that ghost, for our ghost investigation well, and there. and you've been there so and many times. And I've been times. there so many times. Yeah. But I had two in here that the first one I pulled out because I think there's enough that we could do an entire episode about it. Okay. And the second one I pulled out because... It's a hotel not too far from here, and I think I want to stay there oh, overnight. Oh, sweet. Yeah. It's it's reasonably cheap, but I went I went there yesterday to look at it, and it's not what I expected. I was okay. expecting a hotel-looking place, and it's mm. just like a building on a corner. Oh. But it's got an interesting history, um, and I, I think I'm going... It's not that expensive, so I think when we do that episode next season, I think I'm going to go there and spend a night and see if I can Set get one... Set your recorder out? Yeah, I'm going to see if I can okay. get one of the rooms that are supposed to be haunted. So I pulled that out. So I basically threw two things in here in the last two days. So it's kind of, it's kind of ramshackle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first word that popped in my head. Ramshackle. As a haunted location should be. Yeah. So basically, like, I didn't know this. Legendary Wisconsin folk artist Robert E. Gard once claimed that Wisconsin has more ghosts per square mile than any other state. Okay. And I guess I could believe that. A lot of the stuff that I looked up about Wisconsin being haunted suggested that we do have a lot of supposedly haunted mm-hmm. places. Yep. And I've cryptids because we're, we're, you know, like northern Wisconsin is like 99% the North Woods. woods yeah. The North Woods. But as always, we start with some facts. Today I got 10 facts, I think. Okay. Fact number one, the town of Mount Horeb. Have you ever been to Mount Horeb in Wisconsin? I don't think so. I've heard of it. They're famous for two things. The first one is what they call the Trollway, which is their main drag through town. 
everybody's got trolls out in their front yard. Oh, really? Yeah. And I saw pictures of <laughs> it and I was fun. like, dang. So like, is that like a Wisconsin phrase, the main drag? That's I don't something think that's I totally grew up saying. Uh, no, because I, I could see them saying that in like days that confused oh, the main drag. Maybe it's a middle. You know, but thing. I got but like their main drag, everybody has trolls like on along the like sidewalk. Gnomes or trolls? No, like trolls. Like if you look up a trollway, go on your phone okay. and look up trollway. That sounds fun. Where is this place? Mount Horeb is uh, buh, buh, buh. <laughs> It's by a petting farm. Mount Horeb is there's a Culver's there. I'm I'm in. <laughs> Mount Horeb's really not what? <laughs> Kurt's discovering so much right now. <laughs> I am. There's a Culver's well, no, and a I, petting farm. Okay, it's down it's down west of Madison. Oh, okay. That's probably maybe a two hour drive, do you think? Two and a half? Two and a two, half. Two and a half. Two and a half hours. I was like, what? It's right near here, but that's the blue dot showing where I am. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's early. But yeah, it's, it is early. And it is down. And I am not feeling the best. I am getting a cold again. You so better not give me the cold. I'm trying. That's I got why we sit so far time. apart. Uh, but yeah, it is west of Madison. I think Barry actually probably lives near it. Oh, sure. Yeah. But yeah, so they're famous for their trollway, which is all the trolls that people put out along. And it's famous for its mustard museum. It has an entire museum dedicated <laughs> to mustard. Interesting. Only in Wisconsin. Yeah. Let's see if Why I can find Why mustard? That. Why not? <laughs> I'm not a huge mustard I was person, actually going to research this a little more and I totally didn't. Uh, You're doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> It's getting to the end of the season, folks. It is getting to the end of the season. I'm getting burnt out. I'm forgetting stuff. It's actually in Middleton, which I think is Oh, I know where that is. The Mustard Museum. It is full of mustards and mustard memorabilia. Oh, it started in Mount Horeb in 2000. In 2009, it moved to downtown Middleton, Wisconsin, and changed its name to the more encompassing National Mustard Museum. (laughs) The museum has grown to more than 6,500 mustards from all 50 United States and over 70 countries, along with hundreds of items of mustard memorabilia. The collection includes the exquisite Gibbons collection of sterling silver and porcelain mustard pots, antique tins and jars, vintage advertisements, as well as information on the history of mustard, how it's grown and produced, its nutritional properties, and its medical history. So there you go. Do they serve you hot dogs with mustard? I'm get, I, I love my I do love mustard, but I like you know, it I'm, I'm fine with the 99 cent great value yeah. brand. Yeah, I'm not like a connoisseur. I'm not a connoisseur of mustard, but I would totally check out the mustard museum. I would too. So if you're ever in Wisconsin, check out the mustard museum. Fun fact number two, and I don't even know where this town is. You might. Rothschilds, Wisconsin. Rothschild? Rothschild, Rothschild, Wisconsin. I mean, I know who the Rothschilds are. Oh, I do too. We're going to talk about them in some conspiracy episode, I'm sure. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe Rothschild, they do. Wisconsin. It does sound familiar. Rothschild, Wisconsin is famous for a sign that used to mark the Business 51 exit on southbound 139 because the sign managed to misspell every single word except for exit. They spelled <laughs> business wrong. They spelled the names of the cities wrong. And if you look it up, there's tons of pictures of it online. And people are just like, wow, bruh. 
Really? So yeah. You wouldn't fix <laughs> exit, it by now? Exit was the only word that they actually spelled right. Wow, it's only four letters. It's hard to screw up. <laughs> I know. Fun fact number three, the Chalet Cheese Cooperative in Monroe, Wisconsin is one of only two U.S. companies still producing Limburger, the world's stinkiest cheese. Mm. When I worked at the grocery store, we sold like foil packs of Limburger and we would go over and smell it. We would be like, oh my God, <laughs> this is horrible. It smells like feet. It does. It smells so much like feet. Like feta cheese smells like feet. Oh, I love feta though. No, I don't feta, know that I've ever had Limburger. Smeta, feta, smeta. Feta, smeta. <laughs> smeta. That's the name of my new company. Smeta. <laughs> smeta. Smeta.com. Uh, but yeah, um, feta smells like feet to me. Mm, it smells footy. so good though. No, it smells like footy. But uh, Limburger is is, is I've never had Limburger. Ugh, I've think. never tasted it, but I've smelled it and that was enough. Not Do you fun. think it's like brie? I like brie. No, brie probably smells good. It's got a funky, musky smell to it, too. Yeah, but Limburger smells like like a, a hobo's shoe. Like, seriously, like, it's bad. <laughs> I wonder if it tastes like a hobo's shoe. <laughs> I don't know. Fun fact number four, Wisconsin is the only state to have the accordion as its state instrument. That's our state instrument. That is our state instrument. Well, we yeah, are well, very polka, German. We love everyone. Yeah. Wisconsin loves polka. We're Polish and we're German. Yep. Fun fact number five, Warren's, Wisconsin may be a tiny little village with only 400 residents, but each September it draws over 100,000 visitors to the world's largest what? Where is this? Monroe, Wisconsin. Monroe. It's a village with only 400 residents, but each September it draws over 100,000 visitors because of what? Is it a pumpkin festival or something? Close. The world's largest cranberry festival. Oh, Wisconsin is the number one exporter of cranberries, sweet corn, and ginseng. Ginseng. Yeah, we're like a huge ginseng producer. Hmm. But yeah, cranberry. Like, I don't like cranberries. I'll drink cranberry juice if there's nothing else around, but I just don't like cranberries. Mm, they have to be They're prepared. too tart. And yeah, they like, need Bleh. some sugar. But yeah, I guess that I guess that cranberry festival is huge hmm. because I do hear a lot about it. Where is Monroe? Not to make you look at a map again. Do you know where Monroe is? Oh my God. Should have brought <laughs> We need a map down here. We need a map. I re- side note. I'm going to guess it's by Door County. That was, yeah. Because Door County is like a huge... I feel like I know everything in the Door County area, though. If you want a kind of a good laugh, you have to check out the YouTube channel, Sightseeing Sally. She um, explores like sort of forgotten towns in Wisconsin and surrounding states. That sounds states. cool, actually. It is, but she... <laughs> no offense. She's just sort of... Uh, she's an acquired taste as a host. Let's just say that. Monroe is like west of Janesville and south of New Glarus. Oh, so okay. it's way over there. But yeah, they're they're Cranberry. It's by Brown. Again, Town. that's sort of Madison area. Yeah. Okay. They get all the good stuff. Right. Oh, next one is us. Number six. Wisconsin is the land of bratwurst. Oh, heck yeah. Most Wisconsinites know that the world's largest bratfest is located in Madison every Memorial Day weekend, but not nearly as many know that Sheboygan, Wisconsin is also known as the bratwurst capital of the world, and the business synonymous with bratwurst is, of course, what? Johnsonville. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we love our our bratwurst here. We absolutely Mm -hmm. love our bratwurst. Um, But it's, it's... spread out now like i have friends that live in arizona that can pick it up buy it in arizona Mm -hmm. so it used to be more of like cheese curds have become kind of a thing around the country but uh yeah yep did cheese curds originate here i would think like the deep fried cheese curds did like that like wisconsin style cheese curds yeah Yeah. 
but those have spread out. Bratwurst has spread out, which is cool because now, like I said, I got friends that moved to Arizona and they can get it there. Mm-hmm. Fun fact number seven, the EAA AirVenture Oshkosh, which is the largest meeting of aviators in the world, has since 1970 been held there every summer. During the event, which takes one week, the Oshkosh control tower is the busiest control tower on Earth as close to 15,000 aircrafts land at the airport, plus approximately 500,000 visitors. And every year, someone dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Not to laugh, but every year you're like, okay, I'm just waiting for the story of who crashed and burned at the EAA. I've been there a couple times when I was a kid. I've never been. It's not my thing. Mm, It's like, oh. Another airplane. Let's look at this. <laughs> Another just, airplane. You know, like Harrison Ford goes there all the time. Oh, because, really? Yeah, yeah. They I always suppose. like have the celebrities that go there. These big, Kurt Russell, you know, like they're hmm. big in the aviation mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. it's just huge, but it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. That, totally not my thing. Fun fact number eight, some of the most popular attractions in Wisconsin are the buildings that were designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, who oh, was yes. a native of Wisconsin. We mm-hmm. have one in Two Rivers. Oh, really? That I believe is an is a, is a Airbnb now. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's really famous. Like people, you'll go past there and there's people kind of lined up to look at the house. Okay. His designs were definitely unique. Yes. Very modern for the era that they were designed. Yes. Number nine, it was in Ripon. Ripon, right? Mm-hmm. I always want to say Ripon. No, it's I always Ripon. Think of Wapon. It was in Ripon, Wisconsin, that the Republican Party was founded. The idea of the party was conceived during a meeting held at the Little White Schoolhouse on March 20th, 1854. The main reason for forming the party was to fight slavery. Like, yeah. I did not know yeah. we were, that Wisconsin was the, birth pa- the birthplace of the Republican Party. I did because we watched Spectrum News, and they have these, like, little blurbs of, did you know about Wisconsin facts? Between, like, they don't really have commercials, and that one comes up all the time. So that's how I knew that. See, I never knew that until I was researching this. And finally, we'd like to end, of course, with some laws. Mm. In St. Croix, Wisconsin, it is illegal for women to wear red in public. Uh-oh. Yeah, you would I'd not be, in jail you would not right be now. allowed there. Women, in, just in, women. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you are not permitted to go out in public if you look, quote, offensive. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> I've been through uh, I've been through Milwaukee, and they're really lax. Yeah, on they're that, lax on that one. On that law, <laughs> in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, it's illegal to water your lawn in a way that will annoy your neighbors. Oh dang! So I don't know what that means. We don't water our lawn, so I'm not too worried about it. I don't know how how are you going to water your lawn in a way that's going to loudly annoy your or I don't know in your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> but number number one, we get you know we have some laws on here that are goofy but this is just a good law it needs to be upheld more oh i can't wait it in lacrosse wisconsin it is illegal to worry a squirrel <laughs> you cannot worry squirrel you cannot worry a squirrel yeah that's like should how be do you how do you go about worrying a squirrel I don't know. steal all his nuts <laughs> stand in your window and just eat all the peanuts Maybe. while they're watching you because he'd be worried but yeah in lacrosse wisconsin it is <laughs> illegal to worry a squirrel Obviously, this was a problem at one time, or it wouldn't be a law. Yeah, it's like where did this? <laughs> and I want to know what enta- what it entails worrying a squirrel. Yeah, like taunting a squirrel is different than worrying a squirrel. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> we need to. Maybe that'll be a topic next season. We'll go there and we'll How get to, to the bottom. We'll get to the bottom of the, the squirrel worrying. Lacrosse is a really cool city. I w- I would actually like to see Lacrosse. It's really pretty. Never been there. Lots of bluffs. Is it's that, really pretty. Is place. that near? It's right on the Mississippi. Okay, it is right on. It's near Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are some fun facts about Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We did some in the in the in the um, cryptid episode too, because I remember Barbie is from Wisconsin. I remember we talked about that in there. Barbie's mm. birthplace is oh, technically yeah. Wisconsin. 
So getting into the hauntings slash weird places, number 10, I have 10 of these too, but I think I have them numbered right. You never know with me. (laughs) Number 10. (laughs) There could actually be eight. We don't know. (laughs) No, eight. Could be one. Maybe just one really long one. I don't know. It's getting to the end of the season where I'm just, I throw my hat in the ring and I think I'm done. (laughs) Um, Number 10, and this is on my bucket list, Nelson's Hall, Washington Island. Okay. Do you know what Nelson's Hall is famous for? Is it the bitters? Yes. yes. Nelson's Hall is the largest purveyor of Angostura bitters in the world, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. According to a 2019 article on the Experience Wisconsin Magazine website, an average bar might go through three or four bottles of bitters a year. Nelson's Hall goes through 80 or 90 cases of Angostura bitters in a year. Angostura bitters, which first began being sold in 1824, are a secret blend of gentian, herbs, and sp- I think it's pronounced gentian. That's G-E-N-T-I-A-N. Gentian? Is that gen- Jensen? No. Oh. G-E-N-T-I-A-N. Oh, I don't know. But what else tastes like that is moxie. The soda that I love is flavored oh, with that, and moxie okay. kind of tastes like Angostura bitters. Okay. It's a secret blend of gentian, herb, or herbs. Oh, boy. It's a secret blend of gentian, herbs, and spices originally used to help with upset stomachs of the soldiers in the Venezuelan army, but these days it's mostly used for flavoring mixed drinks like Manhattans, whiskey sours, and of course, old fashions. Mm-hmm. If you're from Wisconsin, you have had an old fashioned at some point in your life. Yep. I'm not a fan, but... I am, but there's something weird about them where I'll have 10 of them. Not one day, but I'll have 10 of them. <laughs> I'll have 10 of them and I'll be like, this is awesome. And then I'll have one where it just kills my stomach to the oh, point I mm. break out in this weird cold sweat. Weird. And I can't like my Maybe stomach. Maybe it's the type of alcohol. It could be the type of alcohol. It could be the bitters. I don't know. But it, it I break out into this cold sweat and my stomach just kills me. I literally cannot do anything but just sit there for hmm. a little while. And I don't know what it is. So Nelson's Hall on Washington Island is famous for its bitters club where people go there and get a shot of straight up Angostura bitters. Mm -hmm. If you do the shot, you get a hand stamped bitters club certificate. It's handed out to over 10,000 visitors a year. Linda, the one that just joined. Oh, she's there, done it? That. Yeah. Nice. I would totally do that. I want to visit Washington Island. I saw it on Island. like a Discover Wisconsin yep. something or other. According to the July 24th, 2013 article on the Door County Daily Pulse called, quote, A Shot of History, Hauntings, and Bitters at Nelson's Hall and Bitters Pub, it says, Why are they famous for serving up a shot that makes so many cringe? The answer date backs to Prohibition, when the United States quite unsuccessfully banned the sales, production, and transportation of alcohol from 1920 to 1933. Tom Nelson, a Danish immigrant, built the hall in 1899 and wasn't about to close his doors. He applied for and was granted a pharmacist license to dispense bitters as a stomach tonic for medicinal purposes. Since Angostura bitters are 90 proof, it's safe to say that it served more as a cure. It served more than just for a cure for stomach aches. But, like, I can't imagine downing a glass of it. It's it's, potent. Yeah, it's so potent and it's 90 proof, so... The hall remained open then during Prohibition, making Nelson's the oldest legally continuously operated tavern in the state of Wisconsin. Robin Ditello, owner of Nelson's Hall Bitters Pub and Restaurant on Washington Island, says that Nelson may have never left the building. She says, quote, doors shut when they shouldn't. I hear steps going up the stairs, nothing violent. I feel a presence, an energy. I think he's letting me know that I'm doing a good job. Many customers have described creepy feelings while being in the pub, feeling like they are being watched. 
lot of customers report being touched when nobody is around them. The bar is featured in the first episode of the TV show Haunted State. Uh, she says that ghost hunters came in from that show and recorded paranormal activity in the I building. I feel like I watched part of it. I feel like I might have watched part of it too. And if mm-hmm. not, I want to go back and, see, and, and watch it if it's on a streaming service that I get. But I seem to remember that. And there's a lot of people that say they feel weird in there. They see things in there. A lot of people being touched. And Nelson's Hall is only open from May 1st until mid-November. And then it's just weekends through December. So it's like everything, like in Door County, mm-hmm. like, you know, like... Shuts down in the winter. It shuts down in the winter. It's also on an island. You yeah. have to take a ferry to get yeah. there. So I really want to go to Washington Island. Mm-hmm. And I another. was there as a kid, but we didn't go. We just drove around, and there's a state park on the island too. We didn't go to any. There no. wasn't much there when I was a kid. Now no. there's more. Yeah, there's there's like there's looking a huge at it, lavender farm that I really yeah, want. Like check I really out. want to see Washington and another island, but that's a story for a uh, for another time for next for season. next season. But yeah, like I I part of me wants to do this shot, but then because of whatever kills my stomach oh, that's in those, yeah, it's like, I, if that is that. the bitters, yeah, I might regret that. Mm-hmm. But this place always shows up on lists of haunted areas in Wisconsin. So that is Nelson's Nelson's Hall, also known as Nelson's Bitters Pub on Washington Island. Number nine is Mary of Elk Lake Dam. May 21st, 2021 article on medium.com called, quote, Dead End Murder, the murder of Mary Schlace, says, Mary Schlace was an accomplished young woman at 25 years old. She was working on her master's degree at the University of Minnesota. Mary was able to speak several languages and was in the process of learning another language. Mary loved horses and art. It was Mary's love of art that prompted her to leave her home for a visit to an art gallery in Chicago, Illinois. On the morning of February 15, 1974, Mary left her home at approximately 10.30 a.m. in search of a ride to Chicago. Mary didn't have a vehicle of her own, and it was a common practice for Mary to use hitchhiking as her mode of transportation. You know where that's going. Sounds like a great idea. <sighs> but I remember, I have memories of the 70s of seeing a lot of people hitchhiking. Like when I was a kid, we, there were people hitchhiking everywhere. You don't really see that anymore. No. no. All the true crime podcasts and shows. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. yeah, I ain't picking you up. Less than three hours later, Mary's life would be over. Dennis Anderson was reportedly driving home from the store with his dog in tow in Springbrook Township, Wisconsin. Dennis stated that he wanted to take a longer drive home since he had his dog with him and drove down a dead-end road. According to Dennis, he saw two people in a small compact car fighting when he first drove down the road. However, Dennis went on to say that on his return drive down the road, he witnessed the driver dump a body into a snow-filled ditch in his rearview mirror before the driver of the compact car sped off. Wow. Dennis Anderson arrived back at his home where he dropped his dog off and retrieved one of his neighbors, Dan Murphy, to return to the scene with him, believing someone may be hurt. At approximately 1.15 p.m., Dennis and Dan arrived back at the scene and were horrified by what they saw. Lying before them was the bloody and deceased body of Mary Schlace. Police determined that Mary was stabbed at least 15 times, resulting in her death. Although, it appears Mary did not go down easily. Mary had defensive wounds on her hands, indicating that she had put up a fight and tried to protect herself from her attacker. Mary's body was found on a dead-end road that was not heavily traveled. Her body was also 90 miles from her Minneapolis home. Missing from the crime scene were Mary's coat and Mary's purse. An orange and black stocking hat was found at the crime scene. Thankfully, a hair sample was still attached to the hat. Hair samples were compared to at least a dozen suspects, although no match was found. 
Eight months into the, and I totally, this was my first thought. Eight months into the investigation, an unusual anonymous note was sent to the crime lab. The note read, quote, did you ever think the man who found the murdered girl at Elk Lake also put her there? Mm-hmm. Alluding to Dennis Anderson. Mm-hmm, sure. Which is because his story is kind of, you know, why did he go down that? I get that he wanted to drive a little. But then I think of the road. There's a road that I walk, used to walk on a lot. I haven't walked on lately, but it's part like by the Ice Age Trail by Woodland Dunes. And it's a dead end road. And there are days when I'm just driving and don't want to go right home that I do go down that mm. dead end road. So I guess it is possible. Yeah. yeah. But my, that first set my red flags up when I read that. I'm like, oh, I think Dennis might have been the guy. But police believe that Mary Schley's murder may have been linked to a serial killer named Randall Woodfield. Woodfield once played for the football team, the Green Bay Packers. However, he became better known as a serial killer with the name the I-5 Killer. <laughs> I didn't know about this. I didn't either. A former Packer as a serial killer. Yeah. Okay. Yep. The I-5 Killer. Okay. It wasn't just a serial He had a name, so... I'm. Must have had an impressive body count, I guess. Wow. Randall Woodfield is known to have committed murders along Interstate 5 between California and Washington. However, it is believed that Woodfield may have possibly been traveling from Portland, Oregon to Green Bay, Wisconsin during the time of Mary's murder. Unfortunately, police do not know what kind of car he was driving at the time. Randall Woodfield had a specific type of victim he preferred to target. Woodfield liked white women who were petite and in their 20s. Mary fit the profile perfectly. Woodfield has been linked to at least 44 murders. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 44. Years later, when DNA technology became the norm, Mary's body was exhumed in order to collect DNA evidence. Police were able to obtain two DNA samples. While police have not been specific about what the profiles indicate, they have said that the profile does not rule out Randall Woodfield as a suspect. Police have never been certain that Randall Woodfield is Mary's killer. There are simply too many unknowns in the case. Her case is still considered to be open. Craig Kozer of Dunn County Sheriff's Department believes that whoever killed her had to be familiar with the area based on where her body was found. Could it be Randall Woodfield or could it be someone more local? Either way, Mary's brother, Don, who resides in Arizona, anxiously awaits answers on his sister's murder. He wants the case to be solved and put to rest. So was Dennis never really looked at? I don't think so. Hmm. So from the article, One Bad Ride, The Murder of Mary Schles, from the Kitchen Table Historian podcast. Why does that sound so familiar? One of our, one of our listeners it's is... called Kitchen Table Research. Okay, because there's a Kitchen wow, Table... that's really close. There's a Kitchen Table Historian podcast. <laughs> okay. I did not know that. Over the years, many locals in Dunn County reported seeing strange things in the area near where Mary's body was found. Some individuals have claimed that they've seen a young woman with long brown hair walking alongside the road where Mary was found. She looks as solid and real as anyone, but when they glance away and look back, she's nowhere to be found. Some say that they see the same woman hitchhiking in the area trying to catch a ride. This woman, too, is said to vanish when someone looks away and then looks back. In one instance, two fishermen were sitting close to the Elk Lake Dam, which is nearby. They sat in silence, keeping things quiet so as not to disturb the fish. One man, tired of staring at the water, turned his head to look behind him. Calmly, he looked back at the water and told his friend that there was a woman standing right behind them. She was literally glowing. The other man nodded, never taking his eyes off the lake, saying, quote, I know, but I'm not turning around. Hmm. He was noping all over that. Yep. In 1994, 20 years after the death of Mary, an elderly woman named Virginia Hendricks began to tell a very weird story. 
She claimed that every day a young blonde woman would come and visit her in her garden. The visitor always wore the same thing, capri pants and a pink sweater. She said her name was Mary. Virginia told people about the visitor, but nobody else could see her. Sadly, she was also suffering from dementia, and it was assumed that the young woman was just a hallucination. One day, Virginia's daughter found out about the unsolved murder of Mary Schlace and immediately thought of her mother's visitor. As compelling as the story is, however, Mary died wearing denim slacks and a maroon sweater, not what the visitor that only she could see was wearing. To this day, people report seeing apparitions and hearing ghostly screams coming from the area where Mary was murdered. And here's a couple Reddit quotes about this. I, I, I'm trying now, whenever I do these, I go to Reddit to see if I can find anybody talking about stuff that happened there. Right. So these are from Reddit. Oh, like people who've experienced yeah. something? Yep. Okay. Just got back this weekend from an early morning visit to Elk Lake Dam. At first, I was kind of thrown because it has changed a bit since my last visit a few years ago. They have built a new bridge and rerouted the road slightly so it's easy to drive right past it and miss it. They have torn down the bridge that basically sat over the dam and converted the small parking lot into a park. The dam is now in plain sight, although access to the steep banks below is now restricted by a fence. I arrived just ahead of sunrise on Sunday morning and there wasn't a person around, which adds to the creepy feeling you get. Now I wish I had brought my camera just to get some shots, even if nothing unusual showed up on them. The whole time I was there, I felt as if I were walking around the grounds with another person next to me. It's that kind of feeling you get when you know somebody is standing next to you. I kept turning around and expecting to see somebody, but there wasn't anybody else around at all. Strangest part of all was when I get back to my car, the leather in the passenger seat had the distinct contours of somebody sitting there. Nobody oh, heck no. Nobody was riding with me. Although I had been there before, I seldom want to stay for very long. I... I'm thinking next time of taking a recorder and a camera just to see if anything happens. It's definitely an unusual place. Has anyone else been there recently? And then somebody responded, Yes, me and my boyfriend went to the dam about a year ago and no one was there. I mean, no one. We sat in our car and my boyfriend got out to look around the new fence and the dam. I stayed in the car. He was out there by the fence for about five minutes. I had some music playing in the car. And then all of a sudden, I hear slight screaming. So I turn the radio off and I hear it again. So I yelled to my boyfriend, get in the car, and he heard it too. Mind you, he's not afraid of anything. So we go to drive off past the White House, and it gets louder and louder. It did not sound like a person. No one could have done it. There was no one there, no one down by the dam, and to this day, we don't know what it was. I really believe that the scream was from Mary. It was it such a strange animal. scream. It could have been. We have gone down there this year too, but nothing have ha has happened so far. I would love to hear stories anyone has. I had panic attacks for a couple weeks after that. So if you have a story, please write it. I'm very interested in this dam and the story of Mary. I, she writes, P.S. I also think it's strange that they haven't found her killer yet. There are big cats in Wisconsin. There are big cats in Wisconsin. So that is Mary of Elk Lake Dam. And that's like a true crime mixed with. Mm -hmm. like, But there's a, a lot haunting. of... Yeah, that's supposedly a really haunted place where she died. Hmm. I still feel in my gut that it was the guy that found her mm. or that claims to have found her. And then, of course, he goes to get his neighbor to provide an alibi mm -hmm. to come back with him. So I don't know. It It is weird that he says he saw them dump a body in his rearview mirror. Who would who would still who would do that when yeah. someone is still within like view of yeah. you? Yep. Number eight is the Siren Bridge in Siren, Wisconsin. I don't know where Siren, Wisconsin is. I'm surprised I've never heard of these. It's a village in Burnett County. I don't know where that <laughs> Wherever is. Wherever that is. 
And here's a name that's going to pop up quite a bit in here. According to Chad Lewis. Oh, nice. During a Halloween blizzard, a family was driving home down County Road B when their car skidded off a bridge and overturned in a swampy stream. The parents and their young daughter were trapped in the car and all of them drowned. Legends say that driving in this area at night, you will see things and feel an uncomfortable feeling of sadness and dread. And weirdest of all, you might hear things on your car radio. According to Lewis, he located two witnesses who have reported the experience and interviewed one of them. In both cases, they were listening to their car radio as they approached the bridge, and as they drove over the bridge, their radio cut out and they could hear the voice of a little girl pleading, quote, help me mommy, I can't get out. Once they crossed over the bridge, their radio returned to its regular station. <laughs> Krista's just making a face like, nope. Oh. <clears throat> That's just, that sounds so urban legendy. It really does. But if you stop your car on the bridge, does she push it yeah, out of the way? <laughs> yeah, probably a woman in white. <laughs> you know? yep. But it's just like the thing interfering with the car radio mm-hmm. is creepy. Yeah. According to the Only In Your State website, ghost hunters skeptical of the story have researched in Siren and found that there was an actual accident. It was Rick and Rose Kringle and their daughter Jody. But residents alive at the time say the accident happened on a small strip of land crossing crossing a marshy creek area. There's not actually a bridge. It's oh. more of a like road that goes through like a swamp. Yeah, okay. But they said there was a legitimate accident. Okay. So there you go. Now I want Kringle. <laughs> Kringle. <laughs> we got to talk about that when we do our oh, Wisconsin so our side sessions, our Wisconsin food side yes. sessions. I'm hungry for bratwurst ever since I mentioned that. I haven't had brats <laughs> in a while. Surprisingly, neither have I. Um, number seven, this is the one that I threw in yesterday morning when I yanked one out yesterday morning. Mm -hmm. You've been here. I've been here. I was supposed to go here again this month, but I'm getting too old to stay up late to go to these events. I know you were there. Giving him the, she's giving me the We've been there together. I've been there. No, not together. We've never, I've been there with Rhonda. I've been there with Rhonda and Brittany. Um, no idea what you're talking about. I've been there though, I've and it's a haunted location. Yes, I've been there many times with Aaron and Nicole to see Blue October. The rave, the rave in oh, Milwaukee, wow. is supposed yeah. to be super. I've been hu- there many times. Yeah, the <laughs> rave is supposed to like. I never knew all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like I didn't know so much of this. The basement, right? Yeah, yeah. So. The rave slash Eagles ballroom in Milwaukee is like a big concert venue mm-hmm. in this area. Like if if there's a it's concert, in a really sketchy neighborhood, by the way, not far. Yeah, from but where it's Jeffrey it's not Dahmer. far from the Brumder Mansion, which is supposed to be super haunted. Yeah. It's not far from uh, where Jeffrey Dahmer. Where Jeffrey lived. Dahmer, yeah, um, just it's up the road from UWM. The Pabst mm-hmm. Mansion is right down there, but I don't think that's a sketchy area. Is it, it is. No. Mm-hmm. So number seven, it's the Rave slash Eagles Ballroom. According to the hauntedhouses.com website, the Rave Eagles Club is a 180,000 square foot, seven level. I never realized there were seven levels. Whenever no. we go there, we walk straight in and we, I was in the Eagles Ballroom, which is the big ballroom. That's upstairs. I was there once okay. when Natalie and I went to see Death Cab for Cutie. Mm. I saw but, but Blue up October there. is always in that other the other concert room, which I think is like the perfect concert room. It's got the upper level. Yep. And it's got like, it's general that's admission. That's where I've mostly been Yeah, that's to. where Blue October always is. I think and that's it was where just... Pearl Jam shot their, which video? One of their like biggest hits. They the shot rave? the video at that. Yeah, at I don't know the if rave. I knew that. Mm-hmm. But it was just like cool. Like we, 
I don't really go to the concerts anymore, but we used to get the meet and greet. Mm. And then we would go in there for like a, you know, like when they were warming up doing so. And it was just cool when it was just like 20 people in there. And it's a pretty small venue. It's a small venue. I mean, the Eagles Ballroom is pretty big, but the smaller rooms are, it's an intimate venue. But it it was cool. Like they did a song for us, you know, like a warm up song for just like the 20 of us. And then they're like, we still have like 45 minutes. So they just put their stuff down and they sat on the end of the stage like i'm right in front of one of them and they're just taking questions they're just taking questions about their songs and stuff and it's just it's so cool but this came up yesterday actually i stopped at a place in michigan called the crowbar just to get a burger because i've always heard that they're good but they were talking about how like taylor swift right now with these concerts coming out that they're having trouble where all these people are trying to reschedule their weddings because they want to go to a taylor swift concert and I said, I, I'm <laughs> as much as I loved the going to the Blue October, the meet and greet, or when we went to see Matt Nathanson and Joshua Raiden, and I got to meet Joshua Raiden, who's one of my favorite singers. But it's I miss the days when you would just go there to see the band, and there was no, you know, there's always that sense of I suck if I can't get the the eighty dollars bonus pack to do mm. the meet and greet. I've never done that. Yeah, we used to do that, but it was cool. Like Blue October, it was mm. neat just getting to sit there and talk to them for a little while. I haven't been to a live concert in years and we used to go all the time. I've seen a lot of stuff at the rave. Mm-hmm. You know, Me too. And that's where that's where Rhonda and Brittany and I went to see uh and their friend Ashley, we went to see Foo Fighters and they mm. not Foo Fighters, um uh, what's their name? <laughs> Fallout Boy. Oh, who okay. impressed me with like how good they were. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, damn, like these guys are talented as hell. They did really good. So I've been there a ton. And I but I didn't realize because we always just go straight through to that one room, the big the the admit the open admission or whatever you would call it, the mm-hmm. room. I've never been other than the Eagles ballroom that one time. I didn't know that there were multiple floors. Mm-hmm. So it says it's a seven-level complex built in 1926. It's one of Milwaukee's distinguished landmarks. The top floor Eagles Ballroom is a sight to behold, a wonderful reminder of its elegant history. It has a huge 25,000-square-foot dance floor that is surrounded by covered private boxes on the first and second level, which are held up by pillars with intricate... Intricate. Wow. Intricate. (laughs) Intricate. Intricate. (laughs) (laughs) Tram. Oh a staircase God. goes up to an open-air patio where people can see the glorious view, get some fresh air, and smoke if they want. The places in there where people can, like bands can play, there's the Rave Bar, the Rave Vibe Room, the Rave Hall, the Eagles Hall, the Penthouse Lounge, and the Eagles Club. Mm. I never knew that there were all those places in mm. there where a band could play. You know, there's the bar near the room I always go to with a little tiny stage, you know, because I go in there to get a $12 beer or whatever the heck it is there. It's probably 20 now. Yeah, probably 20 now. On February 6th, 1898, the Order of Goodfellows was started by six men who wanted to help the underprivileged. In 1899, they changed their name to the Fraternal Order of Eagles. Like, there's Eagles mm-hmm. clubs all over. Mm-hmm. The Milwaukee Fraternal Order of Eagles was formed in 1901 by men who were involved in the theater, including actors, playwrights, and stagehands. They became the largest Eagles club in America by 1941, and by 1955, this building was the home of the Eagles Club and National Headquarters. Designed by Russell Barr Williamson, who studied under Frank Lloyd Wright, this building was built in 1926 and is considered the finest and grandest Eagles building in the United States. 
Besides hosting elegant ballroom dances and social events in the most glorious ballroom, there was also a variety of lounges, an athletic club with a two-story gymnasium, a bowling alley, a boxing ring, a basketball court, a pool hall, a swimming pool, a barber shop, a radio station, and a cafeteria located on the other three floors and the basement. In 1939, the idea of using the building for music presentations took hold, reinventing its purpose. The Grand Ballroom became a popular venue for big band music, such as band leaders Guy Lombardo and Glenn Miller and their orchestras. The ticket holder could listen and dance at the same time or, then, or, or buy a box seat and watch the band as the people danced below. Soon, other types of music, theater, and performing arts also offered shows and concerts in a large ballroom. From 1939 through the mid-60s, comedians like Bob Hope and Red Skeleton did stand-up comedy there. In 1959, young people who bought a $1.50 ticket to the Winter Dance Party were treated to the music of Buddy Holly and the Crickets, the Big Bopper, Dion and the Belmonts, and Richie Valens. The winter party that took place in the Eagles Ballroom in 1959 was one of the last performances of Buddy Holly before he was killed in a plane crash on February 3rd, 1959, along with Richie Valens and the Big Bopper. In 1964, the Eagles Club had its first ever rock concert with the Dave Clark Five performing on the ballroom stage. The 1970s brought even more famous groups and people such as Eric Clapton, Crosby, Stills & Nash, and other rising rock stars. When the athletic club was closed, a homeless men's shelter opened up temporarily in the basement area, providing shelter for the destitute, which is life-saving during the freezing winter Milwaukee months. Though business was good with entertainment in the ballroom, it didn't bring in enough money to stop the building from becoming a fixer-upper. By the late 1980s, the Eagles Club was in a state of disrepair, and it was put on the real estate market after getting it listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1986. This would give the building some protection from land developers who would have loved to have torn it down. The 70s and 80s were not a good time for historic structures in Milwaukee, especially along West Wisconsin Avenue. A lot of old historic buildings were turned down. In late 1992, the rather frumpy and forlorn Eagles Club was rescued when it was bought by a Wauwatosa businessman and his wife. They began the lost process of restoring the historic beauty of the elegant ballroom and interior art as well as the outside. I always laugh at the YouTube things with people from like like Texans trying to pronounce Wisconsin names. Like Wawatosa is mm, always mm-hmm, they're always mm-hmm. like Wawata Like you trying to say Ashwagandha. Yeah, like me trying to say <laughs> Ashwagandha. Or ayahuasca. Or ayahuasca. Or intricate, apparently, because <laughs> apparently I couldn't I can't say, that, say either. that either. But yeah, Wawatosa is always a hard one. And Economawak and Wyoiga. According to a December 21st, 2021 article on the Shepherd Express called, quote, Urban Legends at the Eagles Ballroom, the article says, On January 23rd, 1959, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, The Big Bopper, and Dion and the Belmont started their 24-day to winter dance party tour at the Eagles Ballroom. Approximately 6,000 fans were in attendance. Twelve days later, the headline acts died in a plane crash in Clear Lake, Iowa. A memorial of the musicians who died is on display in the upper level of the rave and includes photos, flyers, and the original review from the Milwaukee Sentinel. Soon after the plane crash, strange sightings started to be seen at the Eagles Ballroom. Many musicians reported seeing what looked like a man watching their sound checks and creeping in and out of shadows inside the venue. That's creepy. Heck yeah. The area with the pool is supposed to be super haunted. The article goes on to say, The pool is believed to be haunted by an individual who drowned in its waters. On September 10th, 1927, 15-year-old Francis Wren drowned in the pool while swimming with high school friends. 
Francis slipped beneath the water unnoticed, and he was discovered under nine feet of water. He was laid to rest at the Holy Cross Cemetery a couple days later. Soon after, his mother died and joined him. They are buried next to each other. The Rave-slash-Eagles Club staff has seen several strange happenings, including hearing phantom footsteps and seeing the ghost of a little girl wandering near the pool in the hallways behind the coat check area in the basement. Apparently, her childish laughter can be heard, and her presence can at times give the, br- the living a brief sense of terror. The sounds of shuffling footsteps and the strong odor of bleach can be detected where the pool is located. A message near the door to the pool warns about the paranormal activity. According to the former art director, Rob Miller, quote, All the rock stars that have performed at the Eagles Ballroom have seen a ghost. Most people are completely unaware of the pool. It's not uncommon for musicians to ask about the defunct pool. As a result, the walls of the pool are now filled with autographs by musicians rather than with water. Davy Lane played in a band that supported the band Strokes in 2002. He had no idea the place was haunted, and when he got there before soundcheck, he walked downstairs to the band room. He didn't see anything strange, but sensed something behind him and noticed the air instantly got cold. He ran as fast as he could up the three levels back to the ballroom. To say he was freaked out would be putting it mildly. Today, the only way to get a tour of the pool, if you're not a rock star, is to take a guided tour, which is offered periodically. Historic Milwaukee Incorporated, a nonprofit provider of architecture and historic walking tours, did offer tours of the pool area during its doors open Milwaukee. And if you attend a concert, some VIP packages include pool access. I've never hmm. had been to a VIP. Nope. <laughs> you know, we did the meet and greet with the band, but I've never had pool access. In the basement where the homeless shelter once was, the spirit of the vile, abusive shelter manager is thought to be the source of heavy energy, negative feelings, and icy cold spots felt by many, usually in the wee hours of closing time. Shadow people have been reported to be seen by staff, and a few band members packing up for the night after performing in the Eagles Hall have asked about the shadowy figures they've seen in the basement. In the boiler room located underneath the pool, a past employee known as Jack is said to be still present and doing his work in the boiler room where he stays. He doesn't like people coming into his area. One group on a ghost hunt recorded an EVP of a voice saying, quote, get out, get out now. That would be fun to investigate the rave. I would love to investigate the rave. Wow. In the Eagles ballroom, the big room, apparitions have been felt and seen in the ballroom mostly when the musicians are rehearsing or when the crowds have gone home or if the ballroom doesn't have a show and is empty for the evening. An employee of the rave was standing on the floor of the Eagles ballroom, making sure that the people going to the roof patio didn't get lost and go into the Eagles ballroom by design. We asked him if he experienced anything paranormal. He told us that one of his fellow workers had seen what they thought was a man standing in one of the second floor boxes located above the Eagles ballroom. He called security, and when they approached this person, the shadow ran down the aisle but disappeared before the staff person that was behind him and the security person was cutting off his escape, and he disappeared in between the two of them. Hmm. So that's weird. Bands have heard a presence or seen an entity watching them play on stage during rehearsals. In other areas of the building, staff who were cleaning up after closing hours have seen entities of children playing in a group. People hear voices coming from places where no one is. Happy sounds of children playing or the distressful noise of children crying unhappily are also heard. On some of the other stages located throughout the building, bands have noticed a specific entity who seems to like to watch them practice. So there you go. That's Mm -hmm. the rave. I love the rave. I, I love going there for concerts. I have a lot of good memories I just there. never knew that there were so many other places in the building. 
but I would love to check out the pool because I do remember there's YouTube videos of people mm-hmm. like ghost hunters checking out the pool. I've heard about the pool, I've but never I would seen love, it. we should contact them see if we could go down there do a show. That'd be fun. It'd be cool to go. Like, what band gives you VIP access to the pool area? I have though? no idea. I'm trying to think who the first band is I ever saw there. I couldn't oh, even gosh, tell you. I couldn't. Mine, it was probably like the Big Woo or something. It was a band we used to go see all the time. Like a Minnesota band. Yeah. They used to tour Wisconsin a lot. But I've seen tons of Blue October concerts there. And I feel like they, like Blue October themselves, really like the rave. They t- they talk about mm. that quite a bit. And I think that they really love coming to the rave in Milwaukee. So that's number seven. Number six, I've been to. Because there's a geocache right there. Mm. Number six is the Riverside Cemetery in Appleton, specifically the, the tombstone of Kate Blood. Oh, Kate Blood. Have you heard any of this? No. In Appleton's Riverside Cemetery, there's a pretty famous tombstone. It's for a woman named Kate Blood, and it's visited way more often than any other tombstones in the cemetery. According to legends, Kate Blood was either a witch or she went crazy and killed her husband and three children with an axe before killing herself. According to legends, their tombstones are hidden away from the other tombstones in the cemetery because of Kate's crimes. According to an article in the Post-Crescent, quote, Kate Blood's tombstone stands a distance away from the remainder of markers for Appleton's earlier residence. Finding the grave from within the cemetery requires a short walk down a slope trail that's chained off from vehicle traffic. It's on a Fox River bluff in a wooded area that feels separate from the rest of the grounds. It's said that there have been claims of people seeing an apparition walking around the area of the grave at night. A creepy hooded figure is also said to roam the cemetery. Screams and strange voices can be heard coming from the area, and those who approach during a full moon might witness blood oozing from the face of Kate's stone on which her name is engraved. According to the website with the awesome name, The Traveling Cheesehead, the website (laughs) says, quote, most legends indeed have some basis, but the stigma that surrounds the legend of Kate Blood is uncalled for, and thankfully some residents of Appleton have made it a mission to clear her name. In reality, Kate Marsha Blood Miller was a member of the community who was loved by everyone and had a sad story of her own. She was just 23 years old when she caught tuberculosis. She had to travel south to stay with a family because of the warmer climate. She died in Lawrence in Kansas, and the body was brought back to the community by train. At the time of her death in 1874, Kate was survived by a two-year-old daughter. George Blood, her husband, remarried, and the second wife is buried in the same plot. The fact that Kate's grave is located off the beaten path has given rise to the myth surrounding a lady. Looking at the dates, and this is true because when we went there to do the geocache, they talk about this in the cache thing, and they said, looking at the dates on the tombstones, it's obvious that there's no truth to the story that she killed her family because they died at a much later date than she did. (laughs) Yeah. But there's people probably just saw the name blood. That's and exactly like, Let's that's make exactly some stuff up. that's it. Plus, it is set off from the other stones. Mm-hmm. Could according have just been to the, an earlier part of the yeah, cemetery. according to the Post Crescent article, Frank Anderson, an Appleton musician, artist, and author, and a man with zeal for early Appleton history, said Kate Blood is a woman maligned. He says, quote, I will always call her the first daughter of Appleton. The people loved her, and they'd be stunned by what we're doing to her today. Her full obituary, printed in the January 7th, 1875 edition of the Appleton Post, ran much longer than many of the news stories that day. She lived for others, and for those she loved, no sacrifice was too great which involved their happiness, her obituary read. Hmm. Her influence was such that condolences were offered in the Fond du Lac Reporter, the Post competitor, 
the Appleton Crescent also offered sympathies. In all of the endearing relations of wife, mother, daughter, and friend, few will be so much missed from society here, it read. Anderson suggested a more reasonable explanation for the location of the grave. It was among the first at Riverside Cemetery, which was established just four years before Kate's death, and the plot suggests her importance. Blood's name this Halloween season was found frosted upon tombstone-shaped sugar cookies at a Fox City's grocery store. <laughs> like, it's, like, I, I love... Sounds beloved. Well, yeah, but I love that they're, you know, like, it's just a weird, I mean, they're celebrating her, but then they're also kind of, like, vilifying her like right. she was, you know, like she's some spooky thing mm-hmm. and she's not. The stories of Kate Blood are pervasive enough that Riverside Cemetery references the grave on its website with a request for respect and a reminder that the cemetery grounds close at sunset. Mm-hmm. There's, but behind, I think it's behind hers because there's a, there's a series of geocaches in Wisconsin called like Haunted Wisconsin. Mm. Uh, one of them is right outside in front of the first place that you were going to get down to later today. But there's one back behind Kate Blood's grave and there's, grottos back there in the woods that are almost like a weird religious grotto i think that's where aaron and i i believe that's where aaron and i and nicole got our 1000th geocache and it's cool because all the pictures of it i have of us back there getting that cache there's like halos and like the sunbeams are like mm. really really cool behind us because mm-hmm. the sun must have been in the right area but then we're wondering, is it because it's like kind of weird and kind of spooky in the grotto area behind her her tombstone? You know, I'll show you those pictures later, but they're they're cool. They they have like the sun filter, like the sun is like streaming through the and it just flicks, or whatever. You know, yeah. we said it was like the god of geocaching was shining his light <laughs> down on us. But it's just it's a really cool area. But I hate I got so annoyed when I went across sites that just said she was a witch and her gravestone bleeds and right. you know, it was nothing. She was nothing. She didn't kill her family. You know, like by all accounts, she was a really, really good person. Here are some Reddit comments about the Riverside Cemetery. Somebody writes, I grew up two houses away from Riverside Cemetery. There's a lot of weird stuff that does happen in that cemetery. Like devil worshippers, catacombs that run underneath the cemetery, the bleeding grave, and unexplained fog. This is no joke. Don't mess around at Riverside. If you feel compelled to go, do so during the day. The sign says it closes at sundown. That means get out of there before then. Kate Blood's grave isn't that exciting and it's kind of hard to find. Besides that, I laughed when someone told me there was a satanic cult that worshipped in that cemetery. I definitely wasn't laughing after going there in the middle of the night. I won't go into any details, but I've never been so terrified or ran so fast in my life. Just stay away. Don't risk your well-being. Don't risk your sanity. That sounds like somebody just having fun. Yeah. But uh, somebody else says... I don't want to intrude, but I went there recently on Valentine's Day. I was there in the middle of the night, and I saw stuff too. I wanted to see if any of the stuff we saw might relate. And then somebody else writes, I'm curious to what happened to you when you went. My boyfriend and I had a similar terrifying experience there in fall 2015. So then she writes, I went with my dad during the... I went with my dad through the front gate of Riverside, not the backside like you did. We went around midnight with only phone flashlights with 2% battery going through the front on a path through the cemetery. I had my phone pointed towards the ground so we wouldn't trip over anything like branches or sticks or whatever. My dad said that he kept hearing leaves crunching and rustling. I thought he was just trying to scare me. We got about three-fourths of the way to the grave and my battery was then at 1%, so I said to him, quote, we shouldn't be out here in the pitch black if my phone dies. My dad only had a flip phone without a flashlight at the time, so we decided to turn around. 
For the first time, I raise my flashlight up from the ground when we are turning around. Fifteen feet ahead of me, I see a man in a dark robe wearing a hood staring at me. He's standing somewhat near where the hill entrance to the grave is. He was white. That's all I could tell because I was scared poopless. Then as we were turning tail to book it out of there, we heard yelling from all sides and tons of leaves and sticks breaking. It was fall during this time because we came at midnight on homecoming night as a joke because it was a full moon and the grave is supposed to bleed. My sister was the person who told us about the urban legend because some of her friends saw some weird stuff out there too. My dad and I ran so fast and ended up running through a person's backyard to get to the car. When we got to the car, there were multiple men in cloaks and hoods standing near the fence staring at us. I have never been able to forget a detail about this because I was absolutely terrified that they might have got our license plates. I had more experiences there when I went around the backside like you did. If you walk far enough on the trail near the river and pass through these concrete poles with metal running through them, there's a few bent poles you can walk around, then you get to these weird grottos made of stone and concrete. When I went on winter break in 2014, right before the new year, the grottos had a ton of what I assumed to be satanic ritual items or maybe Wiccan. Wiccan and satanic are <laughs> nothing Wildly alike. Wildly different things. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with witchcraft or the occult, so I don't want to talk out of my butt. But there were weird burn marks in every grotto. There were weird feathers, papers with wishes and curses on them. Some were slips asking for things like curing family members' cancer, and some were asking for people to be cursed. To me, it looked like rituals for sure. There were weird animal tails and fur and tons of weird things that I don't even remember. I just wanted to know if anybody else had something like this happen. So those grottos are weird. Hmm. That's where the geocache is hidden is in by one of the grottos. But there are a lot of stories about people seeing like robed figures in the cemetery. So are like some weird offshoot of some satanic cult doing things out there? You know, I don't think any of it involves Kate Blood, but there are people that say they do see a woman's figure walking around her grave. Hmm. Probably her because she's probably all pissed that people are talking trash about her. Right. You know, I don't know. Is she wearing a white dress? I don't know if she was wearing a white dress or not, but Riverside Cemetery and Kate Blood's grave show up all the time in Wisconsin haunted stuff. Kate Blood was not a witch. She did not kill her family. She seemed really cool. So it just sucks that she's got this legacy Mm -hmm. of of all this garbage. Number five, another place I want to go to that I've never been to is the uh, is in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, the Grand Opera House. Mm, I've heard of this one. Yeah, ghost ghost groups do a lot of stuff there. Mm According to hauntedhouses.com, the good citizens and business leaders of Oshkosh decided in 1882 that since Oshkosh was then the second largest city in Wisconsin, that they needed a grand theater. They hired William Waters to create a gorgeous Victorian-style theater, which opened in August of 1883. By 1885, the Grand Opera House was illuminated with electric lights, getting rid of their gas lights. Oshkosh as a city was booming through the 1890s. By 1920, the building was shut down temporarily to update the necessities, mainly the heating system, electrical updates, plumbing, and to install modern ventilation. By the 30s and 40s, talking pictures were popular. So the Grand Opera House changed with the times, becoming a movie house. It was called the Civic Theater, and it showed second-run films. Perhaps because it was looking a bit shabby, it needed a major renovation project. By 1950, the theater was changed back to the Grand and did get some remodeling done. By the 70s, the good news was that the building itself was put on the Register of Historic Places. The bad news was was that this once proud high-class theater was now showing X-rated films. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Yep. 
Luckily, the city of Oshkosh, after hearing from people at the polls, stepped up to the plate and rescued the Grand and bought the property in 1980. The theater was remodeled and restored and opened once again in 1986 as the Grand Opera House. By 1990, the Oshkosh Opera House Foundation was given a lease to the building and have been managing the theater wonderfully ever since. Many people think it's haunted by a former stage manager named Percy Keene. Keene was the stage manager here for many years. He's described as being a man with a nicely trimmed haircut and wearing round spectacles. Percy has been seen on several occasions standing in the balcony and looking out a window into the street. During a sneak preview of a student film, the entity of a pleased, supported presence of Percy Keene was seen by several people standing in the balcony. Footsteps are heard coming up and down the staircase to the balcony, but nobody living is ever seen. A group called Drama Lab heard slamming doors and footsteps during their performances. Weird, unexplained sounds are heard inside the opera house that can't be explained. Performers on stage during rehearsals have seen entities of people sitting in the audience enjoying their efforts. The seats where these ghostly theater lovers were seen sitting, they weren't seen anymore, but then the seats were pushed down like someone was still sitting there. Apparently, one such spirit patron had to meet one of the actors and was waiting for him in the actor's dressing room. This gentleman's spirit person was wearing old-fashioned theater clothes and holding a playbill from a play that was performed on the stage at the turn of the century. A lifelike man was seen standing in the orchestra pit by several theater set workers. He apparently went through the door of the orchestra pit where musicians enter and leave the pit. When the set designer went to investigate the room behind the door, no one was there. If it was a real person, there would have been no way for the person to leave that room. A glowing image moved across the stage, amazing several paranormal investigators. When an executive director of a production was sitting by himself in the theater just relaxing, he saw a vaporous orange mist float across the stage. Lights are said to be turned on and off by themselves. People experience weird temperature drops in the theater. A theater assistant said that one of her ankles were playfully grabbed by somebody that wasn't there, and a lighting director was taken aback to see a real-looking dog walking across the stage. He asked the actors to remove the dog, but then it disappeared and there was no dog on the stage. But a lot of people have had experiences with this dog. Hmm. So there you go. Hmm. That is the Grand Opera House. A lot of theaters are haunted. Yeah, I remember, uh, God, when we were... I don't even think we were, I don't remember if we were HPI or ECWPI, but we went with another group to the Kenosha Opera House and we checked that out. And I don't remember anything happening there, but mm. th- this one is supposed to be this, uh, the one in Oshkosh, the Grand Opera House is supposed to be super active. Well, I mean. But it's always one of those things where it's another group running it. And I like oh, when it's yeah. just our group in a place. I don't want to go there when it's another group running it. I need it. control. I need control. <laughs> I need control too. Chris and I are control freaks. When it comes to investigations, though, if you don't, if you're not controlling the environment, then how do you trust anything? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me being, being. I don't know what I'm being, but I just, we don't need another group to be there. We know what we're doing. Yeah, you know, like I, yeah. I don't want another group there. I like checking places out when we are the only people there. Right. I should have put Vicky's place on here. I never thought of putting oh. Elsing secondhand. Well, but maybe next season when is we do the, the haunted places. No, I don't have the asylum on <laughs> here because we already did an episode on, on, yeah. on the asylum. But I would love to check out the opera house, but I would love for it to just be us investigating, not with another group. I don't know if that makes me sound. 
No, I snooty. When we did the asylum, everybody was calling it an investigation. I called it a tour. Yeah, it was not an investigation. No, I had no control over the equipment, the people, the environment. So it was just a tour. And I wouldn't want it, like like there's that group in Manitowoc, the um 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 Wendigo par- Wendigo Paranormal Investigations, but they uh they're very much uh you know pay you can come with us for an investigation and nothing against that it's just we don't we're not like that no no we want an investigation where it is just us we don't really present our stuff to you know we don't have like big press conferences where we present our stuff (laughs) we would put it on our website and send it to the and now we were talking about it on the podcast and that's Mm -hmm. pretty much it so i don't know i just i don't like the idea of being there with another group but also i don't know if i can do anything at night anymore so Mm -hmm. who knows Number four is the Bloody Bride Bridge in Stevens Point. I've never been to Stevens Point either. I haven't either. Officially known as the Highway 66 Bridge, the bridge sits near Jordan Park in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and has long been associated with a tragic tale. It's said that many years ago, a bride and a groom crossed over the Highway 66 Bridge on their wedding night. They got into a terrible car accident, killing the bride. Not too long after her death, the distraught bride's figure was said to wander back and forth along the bridge, still in her bloody wedding gown. Some say she's most easily seen on rainy nights. A legend says that a police officer driving over the bridge accidentally hit the woman in the middle of the road. He got out of the car to check on her, but the body was gone. He then returned to the car to find her sitting in the back seat. Others over the years have told similar tales. It's not uncommon for drivers to see a ghostly fog and even weird out-of-place rock formations on the bridge. So there you go. That is Bloody Bride Bridge in Stevens Point. All right. I feel like there's so many bridges. So urban legendy. It's totally urban legendy. But, you know, there's, there's I think there might say... Bridges like, and railroad tracks. Yeah, bridges are always, like, showing up as as haunted places. You know, I didn't talk... I don't, cause I don't remember if I talked about Boy Scout Lane in the cryptids one. I don't know if I did, but Boy Scout Lane always shows up as like a haunted one in Wisconsin. Mm. There's the chicken alley with the ghost chickens that yep, run out and through. We that. talked about that. Mm-hmm. You know, but Wisconsin has a lot. Like, there's always so many of these like urban legendy ones mm-hmm. that it's like the bridge, the bride that they, she's in her blood spattered bride's dress. You know, number three on my list <clears throat> my voice just cracked number three on <laughs> my list going through puberty. Going through puberty it's about time <laughs> number three on my list this is one that i i know i remember Rhonda saying that she wanted to, us to all go check this out it's the dartford cemetery in green lake wisconsin mm. the main ghost here is said to be that of chief highknocker a ho-chunk who died in 1911 but his spirit refuses to depart his nickname is said to come from the stovepipe hat he always wore According to a Mental Shed website, he was the last Winnebago chief in the area. Highknocker, it said, drowned while trying to swim across a river on a drunken dare. He was buried on the edge of the river until his son moved his remains to the Dartford Cemetery in the 1930s so that he could be near the lake he had loved so much. Several reports have related how a figure in full Native American dress has been seen strolling among the gravestones, and there's a lot of this. Mm. I see a lot of reports of of people seeing like a Native American walking around the cemetery at night. To add to the spooky goings-on, former Civil War soldiers can occasionally be seen marching across the cemetery only to disappear into vapor when they hit the end of the cemetery. 
but most of the legends of the Dartford Cemetery center around a mysterious old crypt with a crack in the roof. Visitors that come there claim to be pushed off the roof of the unusually shaped Jackson Walker mausoleum by spirits when they're sitting on top. And now, Chris, does, does it also glow? I think it glows too. I feel like this was featured on one of those shows. It was featured shows. on, I don't know if it was Unsolved yeah. Mysteries or something, or yeah, one of those shows. Yeah, we've talked about going here for a long time. Yeah, because legends say that if you sit on this you get pushed tombstone, yep. or it's not, it's weird. It's like a, it's like a, you know, it goes up to like an arch. It's like a, it's like a crypt, but it's like an above ground crypt that you mm-hmm. can like just hoist yourself up onto and sit there. And people that do that say that they get pushed off. As they should. Don't sit exactly. On According to the Wisconsin Frights website, Dartford Cemetery was featured in a November 2007 episode of the Discovery Channel series called A Haunting. The episode, titled Legend Trippers, tells the story of several teenagers who decided to explore the cemetery at night after reading about paranormal activity on Wisconsin researcher Chad Lewis's website, Unexplained Research. If you sit on top of a particular mausoleum on Halloween night, the stories claim ghosts will push you off. Throughout the episode, the group experiences strange encounters with ghost children, the apparition of a Native American chief in full ceremonial dress, inexplicably changing epitaphs on headstones and mysterious scratches on their body. Okay. The changing headstone. I've never heard that. No, I've never heard about the changing epitaphs on the headstones. That would be weird. But this is supposed to be like one of the most haunted places in Wisconsin. And I do remember Rhonda wanting us to go there, mm-hmm. but I don't want to sit on some dude's mausoleum and see if I get pushed off. <laughs> and a break in your ankle. Exactly. So from Reddit, somebody says, so last year, myself and a good friend went on a haunted road trip of Wisconsin. One of our stops was at a place I heard about since I was a kid, Dartford Cemetery. It was at night on the 4th of July and a fireworks show had just ended, leaving the air smelling of sulfur. We parked under a streetlight a little bit down the road of the cemetery to set up our equipment, which were a GoPro, a voice recorder, etc. We started on the side of the cemetery that has been known to have the most activity with the mausoleum and the chief's headstone. After a few minutes of no activity, we started hearing footsteps and see the figure of a person walking towards us in complete darkness. Several moments passed until we crossed paths with this person, but both my friend and I wanted to keep moving. As we approached the figure, they said, quote, what are you doing here? My friend said, nothing. What are you doing here? They just sat and said nothing. To this day, neither of us can agree on this person's age or even their gender. I thought it was a young man, but my friend saw and heard an elderly woman. That's weird. weird. Nothing but their voice. Nothing but their voice shows up on our recording. What we both agree is that this person had abnormally long white limbs. Weird. That's creepy. We kept on walking, and then the person disappeared from view when we turned around to look. We continued our investigation with the presence of this person in mind, but not in sight. We eventually came across the chief's headstone where I placed a token of respect for him. When we looked back on the GoPro shortly after this moment, we caught an EVP of a hushed, disembodied male voice saying the word, run. Is it unusual for Native (coughs) Americans to be buried in normal cemeteries? I don't know. I don't know. That's a really Hmm. good question, but I've, I've... Researching this, I saw pictures of his his gravestone, so I know Mm. his gravestone is there. Okay. Since we didn't hear this voice in real time, we kept moving on towards the center of the cemetery. Out of nowhere, I start hearing footsteps of what seemed like a dozen or more people in front of us. When I asked my friend if she heard that, she said she didn't hear a thing. Suddenly, I told her I felt surrounded and that we had to leave immediately. We got back to the path and ran all the way back to the street where I finally felt we were safe. 
As we walked back to the car, we saw that same person again walking on the side of the street towards us. We crossed the street and avoided looking at them as much as possible. When we were just past them, we turned around briefly, and I swear that the person was looking at us, having their neck turned all the way completely around. <laughs> Krista, I can see Krista shaking her head. It's my first real nope of this episode. Yeah, we ran, we bolted to the car, and all the way I was holding the GoPro in order to try to get this on video. Strangely enough, the person did not show up on the recording, even when they were standing under a streetlight. Thoroughly spooked, we drove away with an uneasy feeling until we crossed the town line. Something is there. Even if that figure was a real person, I know that there are many active entities at that cemetery. Side note, ghost hunters, please remember to be respectful at sites such as this. Leave no trace, reach out politely, and remember that many of these souls still have living relatives. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad that they... Yeah. It sounded like they were trying to be respectful, at least. But the the guy... It creeps me out that neither of them... Both of them have a different idea of who it was they were talking yeah, to. Yeah, how's that even possible? I don't That's know. interesting. Somebody else writes, Hey guys, yesterday I had the opportunity to investigate the famously haunted Dartford Cemetery, which was featured on a haunting. I got permission and everything, but I was alone. I had fun getting several shots during the day, then I went back at midnight for the actual investigation. I was getting everything ready from my trunk, and I looked over and started seeing weird shadow figures, maybe three or four of them appearing, then reappearing. I was scared poopless, so I hung out in my car for a bit till my nerves calmed down. I then bring some stuff. Ooh. I then bring some stuff to the famous mausoleum. I went back to my car to get a few things, and the mausoleum was just gone. Yes, gone. You won't believe it, but this happened. Stuff like this happens in stories I read about this place. I knew this location wasn't going to stop messing with me. My adrenaline kicked in, and I bring all my equipment back and drove five hours back to my house. I regret this so much. I wish I was braver so that I could have tried to get good evidence. Was I a wimp? Should I go back and finish the job? What do you guys think? But it's weird that the mausoleum was gone, Yeah, but he could have just went to a wrong the place wrong in the place, cemetery. Yeah. Cemeteries can be a little confusing. They can. Everything kind of looks the same. But this place is supposed to be super haunted. Mm. So I'd like to check it out. Mm-hmm. Number two, we're down to number two already, if my counting was right, which it never is. Number two, I've been to, Krista's been to. Together? I always have to ask. We've never been there together. together. We've never been there together. I've been there once for a kind of an investigation during the day and once for a geocache. When have I been there? You were there for like an investigation with some other people. Not you? Jeff and Joel, maybe? Trying for EVP. I'm drawing such a blank right now. It's near here. Jeff and Joel? I think it was Jeff and Joel. Maybe it was other people. Are you talking about Glenn Beulah? Yes. We've Glenn... been there together. When were we there together? We went there. It was me, you, Mark, and Devin when Devin was just a little guy. I don't remember that. It may... Are you sure? Yeah. Yes. For sure. Huh. Why don't I remember that? I don't What did know. we do? It was a very long... We walked around, asked questions. <laughs> I don't think Rhonda was with us for some reason. I distinctly remember Devin being there and being very young. I just I remember going there for that geocache, and uh, it was me and Aaron and his daughters Courtney and Alyssa and their friend Acacia, and we're in the cemetery. And I was I had my phone, so I was playing the EVP I caught in that cemetery. Mm-hmm. Of I don't. It sounds like a girl's voice or a kid's voice saying either "Oh no," 
or it could be the buzz of an insect flying by my recorder. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I played that for my students, and they said, no, that's totally a voice. That is not a... You know, but we're telling this about it, and they're getting so freaked out. I have a cute picture where we're in the cemetery, and the three of them are just like holding on to each other. <laughs> so then we had them put the geocache back, and Aaron and I went to the car, got in the car, and just took off, leaving them in the cemetery. Oh, no. And they, they were running down the road after the car, and they were That's so That's mean. Yeah. I went there with Joe and a former coworker, Rebecca. Okay. And we did some EVP sessions yeah. there. I, I could have sworn you were with us the first time I went there. Uh, maybe it was I, a very long time ago. I just remember. I remember I was there with like Katie and people from ECWPI. So it was a long time ago that we were there. But that's where I got that one. Um, we could even put it in this episode, but I don't have it with me. But it's in the EVP episode. It's it's the weird one where it's like the voice saying, "Oh no." Mm-hmm. But this is, and that's the one where somebody went there the next week. Somebody from our group went there with somebody that's a medium, supposedly. And they didn't tell them where I got the EVP or anything. And they said this person walked right down to that corner of the cemetery. And they said, there's a spirit of a little girl here. Hmm. So that was right where I caught that EVP. And there's something in here about that, which is weird because I didn't know that. Anyway, also known as Walnut Grove Cemetery, Glen Beulah Cemetery is really? in a small... Yeah. It's called Walnut Grove yeah. Cemetery. I just call it Glen Beulah. It's the Glen Beulah yeah. Cemetery. Also known as the Walnut Grove Cemetery, Glen Beulah Cemetery is in the small village of Glen Beulah. The remote graveyard is hidden in the woods at the end. It's hidden too. I mean, you got to kind of Yeah, you got to know where it is. The remote graveyard is hidden in the woods at the end of a winding path. Many of the tombstones, many of which date back to the 1800s, show sign of damage and wear. Over the years, this remote burial ground has been the site of some strange happenings. The most common tale tells of an apparition of a man who is commonly seen walking among the graves just after midnight. According to legend, the man hung himself from a tree in the cemetery. As he dropped, however, the force caused the rope to tear his head off, and they said his head rolled down the hill into town. Okay, then. It is down up a steep hill. It is up a hill, so I hate to be driving through town and see somebody's head come rolling down the hill. That's a stretch, though, because to get into where the town is. Yeah, yeah. Because inexpli- it's in like a residential area. It is. Like I can't see his head rolling down no. the hill. No, there's town. actually a river in the way. Unless it like hit a little ramp. I don't know. <laughs> Launched over. <laughs> we'll try some. Launched we'll try over some, the river. We'll, we'll try some experiments when we go there. We'll bring like a bowling ball. The, exper- the, inexplic- the inexplicable occurrences also extend to a couple of specific tombstones. One which is said to glow in the dark... Another is said to have a ghostly pair of shoes, which seem to appear and disappear at will. I don't remember anything about that. No, but shoes? that showed up on several of the sites that I looked at for this. Said that there's ghostly shoes that show up at this tombstone. Okay. Visitors often leave offerings of toys and stuffed animals at the grave of Grace Bauman, who died just five days after her birth in 1943. It may be little Grace that has been seen watching from beside a large tree, seeming lost and alone. And I wonder if that's the voice I got. It could be. It very easily could be. Mm-hmm. I wonder where her grave is. I wonder if her grave is the one where I left my recorder sitting on. Because I, if we go back there, I can tell you what grave I left my recorder on. Did you take photos on. while you were there? I did, actually. But they're at home in my... Mm-hmm. my Just something to look at. Yeah. You know? So maybe I should. I don't think I took one of that stone but i remember specifically what stone i left my recorder on and then we walked to the other side of the cemetery when i got back is when that sound or whatever appeared on there but that might have been grace's gravestone i don't know 
Glenn Buley is also said to have appeared on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries in which investigators capture real evidence of paranormal activity. I don't remember ever seeing it on Unsolved Mysteries, and I've seen pretty much every episode mm. of Unsolved Mysteries. The cemetery's hours are strictly enforced, and there's always a police presence due to vandalism and rumors of satanic rituals. And there's supposed to be something weird in the woods there. There's like people talk about going in the woods and finding weird stuff. Well, there's headstones in the woods. Yeah. But yeah, but there's like satanic stuff. Like Mm. there's a lot of satanic, supposed satanic rituals in the woods and stuff here. Kate Blood's tombstone, you know. I call that rumor. You call that poo poo? Yeah. But this is also a thing which I did not know until a couple months ago when somebody added me to this Facebook page. Not far from the cemetery is the haunted Glenbeulah School. The old Glenbeulah, and this is, there's a ghost hunter that does does tours of there Mm. and people can do investigations. The old Glenbeulah School was built in 1916 and is said to have been home to unexplained phenomena witnessed by teachers early on. Today, the building is owned by the group Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, who Mm. I believe Katie was part of who conduct ghost tours and paranormal investigations of the building. Are they the same ones who do the asylum? They might be. Mm. And I think they might be the same ones that do the opera house. Okay. After the tour, you can stop by the store and pick up a t-shirt, tarot cards, sage, and more. I think we drove by the school because that's... The school's got to be right there because Glen Beulah's down that side road. It's like... That cemetery's down that side road. So it's in the kettles. Yeah. And Jim and I drive through the kettles a lot and we come out right by where... If you just take a last... Did you guys ever go to that... You the bar. There's a bar in no. the kettles that's like a famous UFO. The Destination Fear crew yeah. stopped. Yeah, there. because I that showed up on here and I was actually it's researching kind of that. It's far away, I think. Yeah, it's like in the middle, it's like on a lake, like mm-hmm. in the middle and it but it's the guy like has stories about UFOs. Yeah. So yeah. You should okay. watch that episode of Destination. It's yeah. the asylum episode. Yeah. Anyway, when we were leaving the kettles once, you have to actually leave the area where the cemetery is and you cross like the main county road that drives through Glenbeulah and across that and I don't remember Glenbeulah being near the kettles though to me the kettles it's right are right like, in the kettles right in it I don't know I always thought the kettles were more towards Fond du Lac no okay no. Greenbush it's Greenbush okay. yeah so when you're on highway 23 Heading towards, towards Fond du Lac, Lac or or Plymouth because I, I take that it's past Plymouth. Well, I used to take that twenty three when I would go do the podcast because I always stopped at oh. the when we were at the old school because yep. I'd always stop. I love stopping at the Plymouth Walmart for some reason. I love that yeah, Walmart. Yeah, on fifty seven. Yeah, but past Plymouth, it once you get past Plymouth, you go up this big hill and you're like in the kettles. You can turn right on S, and that's like a shorter, windy, beautiful road that comes out in Glenbeulah. Just you another left turn and a left turn and you're at the cemetery huh. or you can turn left and you go through the longer stretch where green but i is. just remember when we went there it was chained off and you had to like get out your car and you had to walk up this hill to get to the cemetery because See, there's i just vandal- took my mom vandalism. there last year and it wasn't chained really? off no i think during I, I do know hours. the police patrol it a lot because so and during many people winter, go I think there it's be- closed. yeah because it's supposed to be super haunted yeah but the school is new. Like somebody added me to the the group a couple mm-hmm. months ago, and I was like, "Oh, but yeah." There's I always... think we drove by it. Yeah, Jim and I did. But I think that might be Fox Valley Ghost Hunters too. That maybe do run all this stuff. Yeah, they've got quite the gig. They do have quite the gig. That sounds like too much work for me, though. I don't want to be involved in any of that garbage. I'll show up. I just don't want to arrange any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the school. The group is said to have foot. The group says footsteps have been heard running up and down stairs through the hallway. Loud, clear voices have been heard. Lights turn off after having been turned 
on and lights turn on after having been turned off. Pictures repeatedly fall off walls. Object in the store are moved around inexplicably and shadow figures are seen roaming the old classrooms. I'd actually like to check out that school. I would too. So from Reddit, when I was younger, a few friends and I went out to that cemetery late at night. We were told that the police watched the area and to be careful so that we didn't get in trouble. When we were driving up the road late at night, we saw an older man walking along the side of the road. He turned and looked at us and shook his head as if he knew what we were going to do. We drove further down the road and turned onto the road where the cemetery was located. Walking along that side of the road was the same old man we passed away. That's creepy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm not one to get paranormal feelings in almost any of the haunted places I have visited, but this one was unmistakable. We drove right through before dusk and no sooner did I get inside the cemetery than I felt an uncomfortable feeling coupled with a sudden urge to roll up my car window. Just then, as my just then as I closed my window, it was hit by a swarm of bees. I will never forget that day. Somebody else writes, One time a few of our buddies decided to check this place out. As we were approaching the long steep hill, we suddenly stopped and looked at one another. We couldn't go any further because we had this strange feeling that something was watching us. We were petrified and decided to not go any further, but instead we turned and ran back towards our car. We didn't even bother looking back. Somebody else says, I taught at Glen Beulah Elementary School for 20 years. Several of the teachers and custodians did have experiences in the school. After parent conferences one November night, I closed and locked up the building and went to my car. I turned around and noticed the light was still on upstairs. I went back in, turned out the light, carefully worked my way back down through the dark halls to my car. Again, I looked up and the same light was now on. I left the area. A little girl one year died of cancer and her classmates contributed money for a memorial. We purchased two pictures of cats, which were her favorite animal, and a plaque with her name and dates. Big screws were used to anchor the picture wire to the wall. We found the picture on the floor several days later. It was rehung. Days later, the picture was again on the floor. This time, I wound the wire around the screw. A few days later, we found the picture down with the frame broken. These were just two of the incidents we chronicled. We moved the classes to the Elkhart Lake Elementary School, and though the school is abandoned now, I get chills every time I pass it. One story I heard concerning the Glen Beulah ghost, which was what we called it, was an old grandma living in town had a grandson for whom she was responsible, and she put a curse on the school because of the school marm in the 1800s and gave the grandson so much grief that he left town and was never seen again. <laughs> school marm. Mm-hmm. Somebody else writes, a few years ago, before it started being watched by cops, a few friends and I went at 11 o'clock p.m. to see if the stories were true. We heard a couple of weird screams before we even got out of the car, and when we got back to the car from walking around, the gas cover on my car was open, and one of the doors was open, which had been locked. We came back the next day during daylight and had noticed branches all pointing the same direction in front of each tree. When we followed where these branches were pointing... We saw a bunch of little girls' pair of shoes. That was it until we reached further to the back in the woods where we saw a man running, but each of us, there were four of us, saw a different version of the man, different hair color, different clothes, etc. That's weird. It's like that last one. It's like that last one. Nobody was there but us. When we got back to the car, a truck had pulled up with an older man and his young son saying that they also saw a person running, but they described the opposite sex and everything else. That's weird that they had two stories with Mm -hmm. people not agreeing with what they're seeing. It was crazy, but it was awesome, too. We haven't been back since because of the cops, but we're happy to have been able to witness that. Somebody else says, very creepy. I grew up in Glen Beulah and used to sled down the hill from the cemetery. 
apparently the head did too. <laughs> I have great, great grandparents buried there. So I feel like I'm protected from whatever is there. However, I went with a group of friends in high school at night once. And while standing on a grave at the top, don't stand on somebody's grave, right. please. Standing on a grave at the top of a small hill, sort of on the side of the woods, my friend went, my friend went flying off the gravestone past me and accused us of pushing her, but nobody was behind her and none of us pushed her. Everyone was genuine, genuinely scared. We ran out of there so damn fast. So there you go. Glen mm. Beulah. I love Glen Beulah Cemetery. Place. It is. It like, has a feeling to it. It does, but I don't feel. In a good way. Yeah. Like I feel peaceful there. I don't like feel. Like JFK Prep. Yeah, like I don't feel... You feel drawn there <coughs> and I peaceful. Do. I do. I like, like I feel p- at peace there. Not like the it's next place. It's a tiny place. little next, cemetery. Number one, the next place, not this place specifically, but the area it's in, I don't like. I have the opposite feeling in this area. I don't like being in this area, hmm. which is the exact opposite of Glen Beulah. So number one is, and I've been here, took pictures here, Last year, it's really close. It is the Maribel Caves Hotel. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've driven by it. Yeah. All that's a, left now is like stone. Just, yeah, stone. Like you yeah. can see like kind of what, what it used to be. Mm-hmm. But there's a geocache right in front of it too on the uh, haunted haunted ge- the haunted the geocaches tour of Wisconsin. But it And is, you've done the caves tour, haven't yeah. you? Inside the cave, it's cool. Like inside the big, it's like a Gilgan's Island. I'm not it's like crawling actual, through anything. But no, they have the little ones that you have to crawl in on. You, there's like one that you go in on your hands and knees a little bit and then it opens into a cavern. But that's the one that my friend Melanie was ahead of me. And I was behind her and I started crawling in and then she started freaking out and she's backing out and I'm like, nope. So then we back, I didn't go in there. But like Dale, her husband did and I think somebody else did and they said it's cool because you go in on your hands and knees in this cavern for a little bit and then it just opens up into this big thing. Mm. But I I'm, Freaks me I out. can't. But they have a big, it's like got a vault door on it, but that's like an actual cave mm. that you can go in a ways. And it's just really cool. There's stalactites and stuff. But I don't like that area. I don't like like... Maribel Caves Park. I just don't. I feel weird there. Yes. Every time I go there, I feel weird. Like, I don't like it. And that's like the opposite of JFK Prep or Glen Beulah, where I feel like at peace there. Mm -hmm. But Maribel Caves area, I don't. And there's like a really cool biking trail, like dirt bike trail there. My friend Brian was on there a couple weeks ago and fell off his bike and broke his something. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. But I just, I get a weird vibe there. Not from the hotel. The hotel, I think, is kind of cool looking. So from a September 27th, 2014 Herald Times reporter article called, quote, Maribel Caves Hotel is a site home to rich history and lore. The article says, located on County R, the hotel was built by Austrian immigrant Charles Steinbrecher in 1900 and was originally named after the nearby Maribel Limestone Caves. Replicating many buildings from the old world, the inn shared attributes of Europe's medieval castles with a rounded tower in the southwest corner, an arching facade, and walls gilded with gorgeous limestone from one of Steinbrecher's lime kilns. When it was up, it looked really cool. Hmm. It did look really neat. I've seen pictures. Yeah. Like many inns in Germany and Austria with a natural spring on the property, the hotel operated as a therapeutic spa where the, quote, tired and worn may be invigorated. The natural spring water was pumped into the hotel so that guests could bathe in and drink this natural remedy. After the railroad was built through Maribel, the inn became a hotspot for leisure and restoration from the rigorous life of the busy American. 
Not only did the guests of the inn enjoy the medicinal uses of the mineral water, but a bottling plant was built next to the hotel. The water was bottled and also made into soda water and shipped to restaurants and fine hotels in Milwaukee and Chicago. However, beginning in 1915, the company began to go under and the hotel was leased, and in 1931, the hotel was purchased by Adolph Cherney. The building would later reopen in 1981 when it was purchased by Jeff Miller. Unfortunately, in 1985, the historic structure was engulfed by fire and a new era of tales was to be created. With an abandoned European castle-like building towering over the landscape like a sleeping mammoth, there have naturally been reports that the Maribel Caves Hotel site is haunted. Not only is the inn known for its ghost stories, it is known to have been frequented by gangsters. When Prohibition was introduced and the 18th Amendment was passed in 1920, many people in the United States still wanted to enjoy beer and spirits. With that came the notorious bootleggers and organized crime running the show. According to reports, John Dillinger allegedly frequented the hotel as a stopover on his way to Eagle River, and it's said that Al Capone was known to visit the hotel on several occasions. There's a lot of rumors that they have some of their money buried mm. in the area there, but that's like every place they've been to, there's always like legends that they have treasure buried there. Mm-hmm. The building, with what is left, stands partially intact following a tornado that ripped through the area in 2013. Currently, there is no planned use for the building. If you type in Maribel Caves Hotel, you're going to find tons of pictures of it. It's really cool looking. It, it was. was. Now it's now it's more... Like, when it was still up, it was really cool looking. Mm-hmm. Now it looks, it looks like a... A foundation. A foundation, left, basically. Right? According to the WisconsinFrights.com website... The building burned down three times, each time on the exact same date. I don't know if that's true. It was rebuilt twice. The first fire was in the 1920s. The last was in 1930. And everybody is said to have died in their sleep. I don't know. These, these are all the rumors of what's going on at that place. Skeletal remains of some of the victims could still be found on the third floor and in the basement before the structure was gutted. Rumors say that years ago, one of the hotel guests went crazy and killed everyone in the hotel during a mass murder frenzy, committing suicide after. Okay. The spirits <laughs> you of sound the, really skeptical of all of this. The spirits of those killed in the hotel have been said to linger in the building. This spiritual activity reportedly attracted a group of local black witches who conducted secret rituals to curse the hotel, and in the process, they opened up a portal to hell I'm through the old... I'm rolling my eyes so through... hard right now. No, no, no. No, listen. They, they, <laughs> they opened a portal to hell through the old fountain in front of the hotel. This unleashed a horde of evil spirits that terrorized the town of Maribel. Fortunately, a white witch came to the rescue, sealing off the portal and confining the demons to the boundaries of the hotel and its property. Well, thank goodness. So Maribel's on the hell mouth from Buffy, apparently. But there's a lot of rumors. Because if you look at, there's like a fountain in front that's boarded off. And apparently that's where the black witches opened a portal to hell and the good white witch. Well, good thing they have that board, it's boarded off. Good thing we had the white witch there that (laughs) sealed it. So now it's just that property that, that that is cursed. And apparently a, just a crowbar could probably unleash it again, right? Yeah, so don't go out there with a crowbar. <laughs> but it uh, used to be a spa in the late 1800s for movie stars. Uh, it's rumored that the hotel was owned by Al Capone during the Prohibition area, and it was a hideout for him. It's said that he ran a moonshine business out of the hotel, and the water bottling company next door was a, quote, water bottling company that it was really making booze. Mm. It's said that there's several underground passageways built beneath the hotel in the caves underneath and that these caves contain the lost treasures of Al Capone and John Dillinger. 
It said a little boy was playing on the roof of the, f- the bottling factory when it was started on fire and he was killed. It said that the little boy's ghost can be seen in a second floor window of the hotel. Visitors to, ho- it's called Hotel Hell, by the way. That's its name. Visitors to Hotel Hell mm, yep. would see blood on the walls, hear yelling from the basement, and the ringing of a bell. If you looked into the old well in front of the property, a portal of hell would open and try to swallow you. Sure. And that ghosts of people who died in the hotel are sometimes encountered underground in the nearby Maribel Caves. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything there. So Chad Lewis went out and checked and looked into the place. According to some stuff that he found out, he says that these are, again, things that are said to have happened there. Mm-hmm. Things that are, quote, rumored to have happened Allegedly. There. there have been a number of sightings of a figure standing at one of the windows peering out. Many people report hearing strange noises such as voices, screams from the basement, footsteps, ringing bells, rolling wheels, and things moving around upstairs. Some have claimed to have seen objects levitate on the property and move. In the basement, people report having feelings of being threatened. On the third floor, people reported feeling cold hands applying pressure to their back. It's said that books found upstairs have reportedly burst into flames. Apparitions have been seen on the front lawn and sitting on the side of the road. The ghost of a little boy who died in the bottling factory fire has been seen playing on the roof. The building is said to glow strangely during a new moon. Blood is seen seeping out of the walls. And if you shine your flashlight on a second story window, a ghost will flash a light back at you. It's like every urban legend you've ever heard (laughs) in one location. It is. Uh, So Chad Lewis looked into all this stuff to see the actuality of it. According to an article on wearegreenbay.com, Chad Lewis, a paranormal investigator, says Hotel Hell is one of his favorite landmarks. He says, quote, you have all this weirdness trapped with history and mystery combined to give it a really creepy atmosphere. I had someone contact me claiming that they were walking through the building and they swore they heard someone in front of them. They followed the voice and actually saw a shadow figure walk into a room. And when they went into the room, nothing was there. Stories were told that if you went to this location, if you brought a book with you, that book would burst into flames in your hand. Because there were so many fires there, it started getting the reputation of being a kind of hell. The dare was if you went out and looked into the old well, which is now overgrown with flowers, you would see a portal to hell that would open up and try to swallow you in. Flowery, flowery hell. Witnesses claimed that when they looked into it, they could see intense flames rising up. So Chad Lewis investigated, saying, The hotel has burned only once in June of 1985. The cause was unknown, but nobody was killed in the fire. There are no skeletal remains. There's no evidence of a mass murder and suicide at the hotel. There's no evidence of a portal to hell in the fountain. Al Al Capone never owned the hotel, but at one time it did operate as a therapeutic spa where guests benefited from the effects of the local mineral spring water. That was the one thing I thought was false. It would not have been frequented by movie stars because cinema was in its infancy in the late 1800s. Austrian immigrant Charles Steinbrecher designed the hotel to resemble spas he saw in Austria. He died in 1892, though, before it was finished. Eventually, it was built in 1900 by his sons. It was built with limestone from the area. 30 Freemasons, commissioned by Father Francis of St. Mary's Catholic Church in Kakana, completed the project in four months. The Steinbrecher family ran it as a health spa, a hotel, and a retreat for clergy. When Father Francis died in 1927, it experienced a change in clientele, which did include bootleggers, mobsters, and prostitutes. 
they went through several ownership changes until it was purchased in 1986. At one time, a bottling plant was built next to the hotel. The Maribel Springwater was sold to restaurants and hotels in Milwaukee, Chicago, and other local cities. It may possibly have been a hideout for Al Capone, and it's possible he did run moonshine out of it. I think I told you, one of my friend's great-great-grandfathers ran liquor into Manitowoc for mm. Al Capone during the days of Prohibition. Wow. So, I mean, it, 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 does, it did happen up here. I've heard my great-grandpa was a bootlegger. Really? Mm-hmm. The hotel was the midway point between Chicago and Al Capone's hideout in Corderay, Corderay Wisconsin. I don't know where that is. The bottling company would have made the perfect cover for his moonshine operation. Although Al Capone and John Dillinger may have frequented the hotel, there is no evidence of secret passageways or buried treasure, and there is no evidence to support the story of a little boy dying in the fire at the bottling factory. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There, there is Hotel Hell, which now... Not so hellish. It's so hellish. You know, now it's just, <laughs> like I said, I'll, I'll, I think one of the pictures of it is in the teaser. So you can see it's okay. just like, but if you do a Google search on motel or Hotel Hell... In Maribel, Wisconsin, you'll not see pictures of it. it's not haunted. Yeah, no. It's and it's just... cool. It's like you can't go on the property. Mm. If you go to the Maribel Caves Park and park in the parking lot, there is a little road that takes you up to like the edge of it. And you can go there and look at it and stuff. And you can park in front of it off the road and take pictures of it. But do you cannot go on the property because there are cameras because they've had such an issue. Oh, I'm sure. You know, people probably want to pop open the portal to hell. Heck yeah. Because why wouldn't you? You know, so don't go on the property, but you can go right up to it and look at it. And, you know, maybe like next season, I do, when we start doing our side set or our, our mini mysteries where we talk about these haunted, like I do want to go to some of these places that, that are local fun. and like post pictures. Take pictures, yep. And say if we experienced anything, you know. Do an EVP session. Yeah, do an EVP session. You go during the day. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. There are some places around Wisconsin. I hope that was okay. Like I said, a lot of them seem to be right around this area, but that's kind of what showed up. Mm-hmm. I've been to motel or Hotel Hell. I've been to Glen Beulah. I've been to Kate Blood's Grave in Appleton. You know, I do want to go to the Bitters Bar. But there you go. There are a couple haunted places around Wisconsin. I hope that was okay. Heck yeah. We could probably do five more episodes. Wisconsin we could has because a lot I didn't really, I didn't, places. you know, other than like the bridges ones, I didn't really like venture too far out. But there are a couple big, like the Brumder Mansion, I didn't talk about, but I think those might be places worthy of. And JFK Prep, of course, I didn't talk about because I want to do that when we do a mini mystery where I talk about a local haunted location. I think like the Pabst Mansion is supposed to be haunted. Yeah. Like there are so many places you even There's mentioned. a place in Milwaukee that's supposed to be haunted that I actually had in here, but I pulled it out because I think there's enough for a mini mm-hmm. mystery. Cool. And I kind of want to stay there too or go there and visit it. It's in Milwaukee, you know. I think I know what you're talking about. I don't know if you do or not. Huh? The Hilton? No. Oh, okay. No, is that supposed to be haunted? I think so. I think we need to take more like road trips to mm-hmm. go to these haunted, stay in these haunted hotels and stuff. You know, the one that I went to yesterday, it's, it's like I said, it's cheap. It's not that far. So. I would do it too. You know, like I said, the nice thing about, I was thinking about that when I drove up there. I'm thinking the nice thing is I'll check in there and you know me, I'm going to conk out at like six <laughs> and right? then I'll be up at two. So if anything weird happens at like two in the morning, I'll be up to You'll notice it. You know, with my luck, all the weird stuff will happen at like 9 p.m. when I'm totally conked out. <laughs> Super active at like 9. Yep. So there you go. There are some Wisconsin haunted places. Hopefully you liked it. Let us know what you think. Uh, that's what's going to make the strange states hard now is that we're going to want to talk about 
haunted places in our mini mysteries. So I'm going to try to find, mm. I'm going to try to find less notable places. Like if we did Colorado or whatever now, I wouldn't want to do the, the Stanley. Right. Save that for our Because we would mysteries. save that for a mini mystery. Yeah. So I'm going to try Because you'll to, do a deeper dive into those bigger Yeah. Locations. So I'm going to try to figure that out as we get into next season. Cool. Okay. My song for this episode just popped. This one popped in my head the other day. I don't know if I did this one already on here. I very well could have. This is one of those songs that every now and then it pops up in my YouTube suggestions and I go and listen, watch the video and I'm like, Ugh. I like love this song and I'm... This is a band that I didn't really get into until within the last year or so, but I think they're an amazing band. And this wasn't like, I don't know if this is one of their better known songs, but I remember the first time I watched this video, I was like, dang, because I'm impressed that there's so much going on in this song. There's like a lot going on in the song. And I think it's like a really, I think it's a song that the Smashing Pumpkins wish they did. And I think this band is a little reminiscent of the Smashing Pumpkins, mm. but I love, love, love this video. I love this song. So here's just a couple YouTube comments about it. Somebody writes, this is one of the greatest songs ever written. It's an absolute masterpiece. Somebody else writes, there is something about this song. It's raw. It's punk. It's, it's something I want to put on in the shower to start my day. Somebody else writes, best song no one has ever heard of, period. And then somebody else writes, and I totally agree with this. Like, I love this part of the song. Somebody else writes, I always come back to this. This song hits me right in the sweet spot. That crazy guitar solo into the cello solo is friggin' unreal. And it is. There's like this this really good guitar solo that starts to all of a sudden, and it goes into like distortion. It gets distorted and feedback and then all of a sudden it just like segues perfectly into a cello solo Hmm. which you don't see coming Mm -hmm. and at different parts of the song the girl bass player sings and i just think it's such a good song and it is the song kissing families by the band silver sun pickups Hmm. i've heard of i think i've talked about silver sun pickups on here but i'm like the more i listen to their stuff the more i'm amazed and like i said this song i feel like has so much going on in it that it just kind of amazes me and I love the video where the the bass player, I can't remember what her name is, but she's she's like super klutzy in the video and she's like dancing around and there's a, a mug of beer right next to an electrical outlet with a <laughs> bunch of stuff plugged in. And at one point she swings her bass around and knocks over a grandfather clock, which almost hits the drummer, but he puts his hand up at the last time to push it back up. And it's a really cool video. <laughs> and it's just a brilliant video, a brilliant song. And it is Kissing Families by Silver Sun Pickups. I will post it in the group. Nice. What else we got? Um, I'm going to recommend the Apple TV show. show. It's like a short series. A Lissy story. Oh, really? Which I didn't is a know they Stephen did that. King book. Wow, I did not know they did that. Yeah, and Stephen King wrote the teleplay. Wow. It was really good. I haven't read that book in probably over a decade. It was so a good book, though. It was a really good book. I, I only remember like themes and certain scenes or whatever, but I it started out kind of rough because they have to fit a lot into the first episode yeah. to, for you to figure out what's going on. But it's kind of a dense Jim and book. I watched it together, yeah. and it was we got we were like it was a cliffhanger every episode it was Sweet. really 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 good that's awesome really well done I and liked, the acting in it was phenomenal i like that book yeah the other one i really like that i really want to reread is duma key oh yeah 
We may be talking about Stephen King in our upcoming side sessions here in a little bit, actually. Oh, I think we will be. <laughs> I'm pretty sure That's we pretty will be. That's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah. Um, Should I read some Chuck Norris stuff? Sure. What was I going to... I started, like, what was yesterday... Like I said, I went up to check out this hotel that I might stay at that is reportedly haunted, and I got home early, and I was looking for something to watch, because I don't want to go back to Person of Interest until I can commit fully to it, but I watched the first episode of Westworld, Mm. and I really kind of liked it. Okay. Did did you watch? No. Mm -hmm. Do you know, like, the premise? I don't even remember what it's about. Like, I think it's in the future or something. There's a... It's like a park where it has androids that you can go and interact with. Oh, and it's like based wow. on the Wild West. But then the androids like get their memory wiped all the time after each day at the park. But then they start to remember, you know. So it, it was a lot of nudity, though. Holy I guess I cow. knew nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard of it, but. Yeah. So it's good. But I, I'll, I'll wait to recommend that because I only watched the first episode. God, these are stupid. I'm skipping over some of them because they're just so bad occasionally chuck norris will call up the power rangers just to say hi this one says chuck norris can fit five billiard balls in his mouth like i don't even understand what half of these are chuck norris eats pencils and markers for breakfast and he i'm gonna say poops out masterpieces nice (laughs) oh my gosh i'm skipping over some of these wow these are gonna be hit or miss some of them are hilarious and others are like what some of them are pretty naughty yeah, I'm skipping over some naughty ones too. I feel like we're forgetting something that we were going to talk about. Deets? Uh, we got the de- I got the deets coming, okay. but I feel like there was something else we were going to talk about, and I don't remember what it was. Book, Book club is going good. Club, yeah. Side sessions is coming to an end for the season. Yep. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do for the next one. I'm thinking maybe for the next one because it's going to be right around the time that we talk about Joyland. I might do one on carnies and carny mm, life. Okay. Because I think you said Jim read Joyland and mm-hmm. he thought, because I don't know if you were down here, if it was just me and him talking, but he said like he loved the Carney stuff, like mm. learning about life of Carnies because Joyland is about a kid that works at a, a carnival. Hmm. Um, so I might do that for the side sessions. We'll okay. see. I'm still figuring that out. I uh, still have to figure out what our next book is because yeah. I want to give people enough time. I feel like Joyland always... is bigger than I remember too. I checked oh, really? it. I, for some reason, I thought it was smaller than it is, and I'm oh, like, dang. We have like a small little paperback. I don't yeah. know. Maybe yours has really big print. But I want to try to give people a heads up of the next two books so they have time to get them and read them. Yeah. And I haven't picked the next book yet. I'll get around to that. Maybe something Christmassy because that'll be like December. Be kind of fun. Yeah, it would be kind of fun. Like a something Christmassy mm, if you, if you know idea. of anything Christmassy. At <laughs> some point, I want to do a Stephen King book of short stories where we can mm. talk about like what our favorite short stories like were skeleton in crew or nightmares and dreams might have a short story stephen king book on our next mm. coming up on our side sessions we'll see our side sessions that we're going to be talking about is all about our favorite books mm-hmm. so that is coming up but i feel like we were going to bring something up i feel like we got to remember to say this we got to remember to say this and i don't remember what it was so mm. apparently we don't but jumping into the deets you can email us at the strange sessions at gmail.com we are on twitter at strange session without the final s we are on Instagram at The Strange Sessions. Krista does a great job there, by the way. You can send postcards and snail mail, but maybe hold off on them for now because we're not, after like the next two episodes, we're going to be off until the end of January, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe February, maybe March, maybe April. Maybe, we maybe we're not coming maybe we're back. Maybe we're going to come back. You never know. <laughs> it's up to us. It's we, our podcast. Yeah. 
We'll be, we'll be back. Yeah, um, we'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so you can send postcards. Oh, I'm going to have to pay for that again in December. So you might have to PayPal me money in December. Okay. Yep. It's uh, $500, by the way. Just oh, PayPal, is it? Yeah. Yep. The wow. Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. Or you can call our... Oh, I haven't checked our phone line lately. You can call our lonely phone line at 920-443-9602. We could have like five messages and you wouldn't even know. Yeah. We're like begging for phone calls. Yeah, probably like famous people. Probably like Josh right? Gates being, hey, I'd love to be on your show, but I got to be on by <laughs> December. <laughs> You know? Yes, I'm sure that happened. No, I'm scared. No, I'm going to have to check. But anyway, so those are our deets. Do we have anything else? Not that I can think of. No. Hopefully this episode was okay. I feel like it was a little, uh, since I pulled a bunch of stuff out of here and just put stuff in at the last minute, but. It was all good. It's all good. So that's all I can think of. I'm go running. Wisconsin. A, they go Wisconsin. Badgers play today. Uh, I love Wisconsin. I really do. Mm-hmm. Like I've, you know, I love Minnesota too. Michigan I love too, although I haven't seen too much of Michigan but wouldn't want to live you anywhere will. else. We we might <laughs> next season. We're going to see. I think we're giving people clues to, as to where we I thought we, we said what state we were going to. We didn't. Oh, okay. Now we just did. Yep. Might be Michigan. Just be, saying. Could be Michigan. Uh, but then I think the year after that, we should have enough saved up because we, we have a little bit coming in every month mm-hmm. from you guys, which is amazing. So mm-hmm. thank you. We're going to kiss each and every one of you when we see you. Right on the kisser. Right on the kisser. Um... And I think that's it for this week. Okay. As soon as we stop talking. You'll remember what it was. Yep. Then I'll just talk at home and just edit it in really badly. <laughs> so I, I think that's that. it for this week. Next time will be our mop-up episode where I got a couple things that I'm going to talk about. And then after that, it will be our season finale. And we may be joined by my brother, Corey. Mm-hmm. Look mm-hmm. back over our glorious last, I don't even know if it's like 150 episodes. That's crazy. That is crazy. Who'd have thunk it? Not me. So anyway, so I think from Krista and I down in the strange cellar, that's it for this time. So until next time, stay stay strange. strange.